This is a more than just podcast production. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Timitra, I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And I'm also joined by Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. And do I normally say what episode this is? I guess I do, right? You do. Okay, this is episode 350 for those of you playing along at home. All right, or driving at home, I should say, right? <laughs> anyway, so some quick fact check. Uh, we're here, obviously, to talk about the Apple event that just happened today as we record, September 7th. But uh, before we get into that, some fact check from our last couple of episodes. Um, I had mentioned something about the session on layout was composed custom layouts in SwiftUI from the, the um, WWDC session uh, 2022. And we were discussing the developer app and we we're trying to, you and I, Mark, we're trying to puzzle away what the, the check mark meant in the developer app. And I thought it was because you had bookmarked it, but no, the, the check mark indicates you have actually watched that session and it's remembered it based on your. Because you can do it across multiple devices and it syncs to iCloud or something like that. But that's what the that mm-hmm. checkmark means. And I had mentioned that Friday Night Baseball wasn't working for me in Toronto, but um, within a day or so of, of our last recording, I noticed that, in fact, uh, I am now able to watch Friday Night Baseball. So they must have inked a deal or whatever they had to do with uh, Canada. And I think it was probably around the release of 15.4 that... Um, Apple TV 15.4 that I finally was able to watch. Not that I've... I think I watched maybe like five minutes of a Blue Jay game, and then I woke up and went, what am I doing, and switched to another show. But there you go. So you, sports ball is happening in Canada. Blue Jays are, are in the wildcard hunt. They're the third out of the three teams that take the wildcard. See, card. this is... Uh, all I hear is words. <laughs> Blue Jays. I know this yeah. because my Mariners are the second out of the three spots, so I'm really rooting against oh, no. the Rays, the Jays, and the Orioles. If they can all somehow lose, I'd be very happy. So the wild card means they have a chance of getting into the World Series? Is that what that Well, means? so they've expanded the, the, the playoffs. So the top three division leaders, one for each of the, the divisions within a league, and we're like, you know, bazillion games behind the Astros. We're never going to catch up. So we're really rooting to get back into the playoffs since basically that like 2001 season for Suzuki who came back for his like retirement and uh, um, Mariners Hall of Fame ceremony uh, within their, their team Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, it's been there's there's probably children who can legally drink now who were, who were born after the last time the Mariners were in the playoffs. So this is very exciting for, wow. for me. Mm-hmm. The, the bad Good news bears are finding a way. Computers. That's good for the conveners of the uh, stadium where they play, I guess. Um, All right. And the last thing I have on the fact check here was, this is from episode 344. Uh, We were talking about controlling, I think, a universal control. Uh, Is it it still in beta? I don't know. But um, I was able, I accidentally one day managed to control, you can, I think we were talking about controlling the Mac from the iPad. And in fact, you can do that. Because occasionally, I turned it off recently, but occasionally while I was... um, working on my on my iPad I accidentally moved the cursor over to the iPad and then I was able to control use the trackpad on the iPad on the magic keyboard to control the the cursor on the Mac screens so that's kind of cool Alrighty, and uh, do we have any skim TJC does anybody remember what that's for I didn't see any I didn't see any all right and your add your questions folks the only way you get the answer all right 
So a couple of follow-up items here. Um, one is we were talking about the Apple self-repair program. We've been talking about that for years. And uh, the new announcement, this is probably like two weeks old now, I guess, or yeah, October or sorry, August 22nd, that the repair program is now extended to M1 MacBooks as well. So you can get parts for parts and tools to repair your own M1 Mac MacBook models if you want. Um, yeah, and I think... Uh, I think it, the tools are not, you know, super cheap, but uh, but the fact that you know Apple is is allowing us to get the the bits and pieces we need to fix our own computers is a step forward, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's the sort of thing where uh, in a I'm going to say it's a very Apple way, but I also think it's a very uh, justifiable way. Like these are professional level tools that they're giving you. They're not they're not giving you a kit you're going to find at Walmart, and um, yeah, and and they're they're charging a pretty penny at least. For like a like a down not a down payment uh like a rental fee, it's an investment. Yeah, I mean you could you, you could buy it, but you can also like rent it. You know, it kind of like back in the old days when you would rent a video game system, like a like a Super Nintendo or Nintendo sixty four or PlayStation from Blockbuster. Uh, back when those existed, you would put down like a couple hundred bucks, and then they would return most of that minus the like actual ten to twenty dollar fee. It was basically just. You know, to make sure that you weren't going to abscond with the device, or if you you know damaged it in some way, that they would be able to recoup their costs. It's the same thing with this. Or if you wanted to keep it, you paid the full price, right? I mean, yeah. the other thing too about that is the parts that, and this is go, this goes back to the way it worked with. I mean, most Apple service centers would would tell you this that you know if you buy like a logic board or something as a replacement, and you return the logic board to Apple, they credit you back some some funds as well, right? So that's always been sort of a you know, the parts don't end up laying around in, in a back of a warehouse somewhere. They all go back to Apple at some point. So that's part of this whole repair program process as well, is that you return the, the defective part. I guess so they can, if they need to, they can go and dig into it or whatever. Or recycle the gold and platinum and what have you, right? Which is good. Yeah, critically, they're not um, giving us those those robots that take apart the iPhones. Like, yeah, <laughs> make those part of the program, yeah. cowards, open them up. Yeah, I think they only have one of those, one robot. I, I don't think about a ton of them, right? And anyway. Oh, for your, for your down payment of like $10 million, <laughs> yeah. they'll, they'll let you have one, you know. And you're, when you return it, they'll give you back all of that less $50, right? Um, yeah, the other follow-up item I have here is uh, we talked about Xcode Cloud. I, I guess ever since WWDC, was that when they announced this? Um, or was that from the year that before? That was a year ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. A year ago, yeah, okay. WWDC. Yeah, I was going to say, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah, and, and for a while there, nobody was really sure what it was, and we were all we were all sort of guessing it was sort of a buddy build kind of thing. Um, but now, if you want to try out Xcode Cloud, I think uh, for a low number of I think it's twenty four hours or something like that. Some so twenty four is a number that, that rings a bell with me. Uh, it's free until the end of twenty twenty three. So if you're if you're a small shop and you want or indie developer or single solo developer. And you want to, you know, kick the tires on Xcode Cloud? You can until end of 2023. That's, you know, that's obviously going to put um, uh, things like BitRise and a few other things to challenge them a little bit um, in terms of being able to do that. But yeah, it's kind of cool that you can actually try out. Uh, I don't know if you guys tried out or anybody you know tried out. I, I know one one of my developers at work tried it on his uh, personal app. But uh, have you guys tried it out yet? I haven't tried it. It's it's definitely problematic in any kind of company, you know, production environment because everyone's doing Android as well. You don't want to have two different right, build systems. Yeah. I mean, you already you do have two different build systems already, but 
but usually they they work off like a common you know GitLab or GitHub or Bitbucket or something like that. So yeah, and and Jenkins or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and and you're using similar scripting tools to to do a lot of the automation that goes into doing builds, right? So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when I was working at, at the bank, we used to, I think we used to run um, the Android builds and the iOS builds would both go through the same same servers, and they were like Mac Minis. And I don't know, I guess I guess they'd be using Xcode Studio or Android Studio to build, but or whatever they use on the Android side. But um, but it was the same boxes that we were using for for our Xcode stuff, right? Like Fastlane and Open Bakery and all the kinds of other you know Gradle, all those kind of things were running on the same boxes. Yeah. And Tim, you got it pretty close too. So if you go to developer.apple.com slash Xcode hyphen cloud, I'm going to go in reverse order so it sounds better on the pricing. So a thousand compute hours per month is $399 per month. 250 compute hours per month is $99 per month. 100 compute hours per month is $49.99 per month. And you pretty much nailed it. It is 25 compute hours per month free through the end of uh, December 2023, and then the the now how much would you pay? Fourteen dollars and ninety nine cents per month if you choose to subscribe with that. They're definitely giving people a lot to to sort of trade out, and given that that is compute hours, it kind of makes you think maybe we should uh, slim down that app so it doesn't take twenty minutes to build. <laughs> you can get more of that stuff for free, right? The closer you can get to instantaneous, Wait, the what? more you got. I mean, if your app takes you know an hour to build, it's like you got other problems, but also, you're only going to get 25 goes at it. So, yeah, starts trimming out those cocoa pods and other third party things you don't need anymore. Analytics packages, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Well, hmm. Yeah, and are they, are they doing the 10, 10 months for, for the price of 12 thing where you pay annually or is it billed monthly? Does doesn't it say? say that on here. I wonder if you get something. The pricing doesn't say that here. Let me give you the link. Where is that right here? Yeah, I'm not seeing anything about um, like a. How much savings, or maybe maybe they throw in some uh, some AirPods or something if you subscribe. <laughs> I don't know. They yeah, I don't see anything that says it would be cheaper if you prepaid ahead of time. Right. Okay. Cool. All right. So uh, I want to talk about 360i Dev for a minute. I uh, just did a, my talk at 360i Dev. I was, as I said, I was. Or you'll find out in the after show that I was traveling in Ireland, and so I wasn't able to attend, and I wasn't about to fly to Ireland back to Toronto and then jump on a plane to go to Denver. Um, so I had pre-recorded my talk, uh, fully intended to deliver it online and do the questions and answers live uh, via via Zoom satellite, if you will. Um, and all that went well, but uh, um, unfortunately for me, uh, the day I was doing my talk was on the last day, which is the Wednesday, which is never really a great, Wednesday afternoon is never a great time to do because most people leave the, the conference early to catch planes and stuff, but... Uh, John always does. A, John Wilker always does a recap at the end of end of the end of the conference, a sort of you know state of the union, state of the nation kind of thing, where he you know lays all the cards on the table. This is what the conference costs. This is what you know he's been able to do for it. This is why you should buy an early bird ticket, et cetera, et cetera, that kind of stuff, right? And uh, unfortunately, for the last I think it was four or five years, they have pretty much been running in the red. We knew that you know obviously. 2020, 2021 would be bad years for everybody. But, you know, when you add that to the previous years not being so great, uh, this year was, again, um, a, a fair amount of people in person. A lot of people in Den- went to Denver. Uh, people, I know people who talk, speakers came from 
England, the UK, uh, and around the United States. Uh, I'm not sure if any came from Canada, but I know a lot of people attended in person. And, um, and it sounded like they had a good time. I mean, like I, I watched some of the events. I don't know if you attended any of them, Jaime, but I, I did catch a few of the, few of the um, talks and things like that. Um, mind you, I was what, in Ireland, so the time difference was huge. But the, the gist of it is that John has announced that, uh, unfortunately, he and his wife and his partner, Tom, are not going to be able to see their way to having a uh, 360 IDEV 2023. So it looks like this is the, uh, at this point in time, looks like uh, that there won't be a conference next year, which is really un- unfortunate. And for us in particular, and, and I, so I wasn't going to, I was going to present my, my video. I sent it off to them already can, and they were going to run it. And then I was going to do questions and answers. Of course, getting this news, I felt that I had to say something before my talk was, was played. So I joined early and sort of gave our, our spiel about how we personally, I think I speak for the three of us about how 360 dev has been important to us as developers and building community and that kind of stuff. And in fact, this podcast, you know, has its genesis uh, at 360 dev because that's actually where I met Jaime back in 2012, I think, 2013. Um, and, uh, you know, the three of us attended at one point uh, one of the earlier, earlier sessions. So it's unfortunate that 360 dev looks like it's um, not doing so great. That said, John, you know, we, we all sort of got together on Slack and, and talked about how we could support them. And John has set up a GoFundMe. I'll put a link in the show notes, uh, if you want to contribute. Um, and, uh, they've, they've surprisingly good turnout. I think, you know, he sort of set a goal and I think they're at around two thirds of the goal right now after like maybe four or five days, which is good news for them. But again, you know, this is, they are conference organizers. They, they do an Android conference. They do an iOS conference every year. And this is how they basically make a living, right? So um, we're hoping to be able to support them in that. And uh, hopefully you guys will, listeners of the show, will rally around and, and uh, throw a few shekels their way as well. So I don't know if you guys want to say something about 360 iDev yourselves. Yeah, Tim, I think you're right. I think it was 2013 where we met, and then 2014 was when we decided to do the podcast. I think the forum. It was, was yeah. 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 Yeah, so it all kind of came together there, and I think, interesting to look at this as a um, sort of mainstay of the iOS and Apple ecosystem world. And it, it feels weird to have it be the, the end of an era for that sort of thing. Um, but it was it was always uh, kind of um, like you take sort of take it for granted that just as the, the sun is going to rise tomorrow and the seasons are going to change, you just kind of assume that uh, come around August in Denver, Colorado, there's going to be a I did. So it's uh, really sad to see it go. And I know that John and company put a lot of uh, heart and soul into it. So, so kudos to them for, for keeping it together for as long as they did. Yeah, it's really a shame. Uh, I only actually got to go once uh, in 2014. That was the year we all went. I was supposed to go again a few years later, as you guys know, but I got sick the last minute, so I couldn't make it. Uh, but uh, I always watch the videos and, and uh, really enjoyed everything. It, it, sadly, I think it's a reflection on both the state of the you know, the iOS industry um, and and just the economy in general. I mean, right now with the you know a lot of companies are are cutting back, so I, I don't think there's there's a lot of money being spent on travel. So that really hurts you know people going to these kind of things. So yeah, it's it's really a shame. Hopefully, you know things are cyclical. Hopefully, hopefully things will swing back at some point. Yeah, I mean, well, and, and 
Speaking of the videos, they are going to be publishing the videos. Obviously, the people who, who had tickets are going to get the videos. I think um, coming up, probably by the time this podcast comes out, uh, they'll start trickling out um, if John can wipe the tears from his, his eyes. But um, yeah, so that, that should be coming. And then, you know, I think within a couple of months, they'll be available for anybody else to watch. So it's always a good good uh, set of talks. I mean, you know, um, I got a lot of good uh, feedback from my particular talk. So I'm looking forward to being able to see some of the talks that I missed uh, because of the time change and things like that. And plus, you know, being busy and flying and all that other nonsense. All right. Anyway, so pouring one out for 360 iDev. And um, so, yeah, we're here to talk about the Apple event. Obviously, the iPhone event went today. Um, what was, Did they call it way out or is that just what people were far calling out. it? Far out. Far out. Far out. Right. So, and because of the, the star constellation animation thing that they had going on here. Um, so we can just go through the various things. Um, you know, Tim Cook came in and he kind of like laid the groundwork for the fact that they were going to talk about AirPods Pro and about the Apple Watch, and then they kind of dove into that. So we'll just go through the items. Uh, I may hope you have notes. Um, I know I do. And um, talk about the stuff. So the first up was the Apple Watch Series 8 coming out, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Continues to have that always-on face. Uh, they started out with talking about the, the new temperature sensor or sensor or uh, for women's health, so cycle tracking with um, two different sensors. One that I think they said was pretty close to the skin and one that was pretty close to underneath the display to give them a little bit of, of what was it, like checking for differencing in bias or something around how temperature works and can sample your wrist temperatures every like five seconds looking for their phases and shifts and different things that might trigger you know, belief that hormones are changing might be ovulation, might be cycle deviations. And because of the world in which we live in 2022 in the US of A, um, all of that is very notably encrypted on device and is only accessible uh, via authentication. If you sync to iCloud, it's also encrypted end to end. And they pointed out that Apple itself cannot look at that data. Yeah. I mean, having having tried to, you know, in my first marriage we went through this whole process we were you know taking temperatures and constantly checking things and trying to find out when when was the right time to try and you know create a baby um and uh, yeah so this this will be super helpful for people carol was also suggesting today that this might even be helpful with things like if you start getting a fever like if you maybe if you catch covid or something like that you know i'm, I'm and i'm saying, not saying apple said this you know we were just guessing that could be something it'd be useful for but i think it it is a very tricky part you know when when a couple are trying to trying to make a baby that uh you know keeping track of ovulation is is kind of interesting and the fact that it, it it'll it does the automatic retroactive reporting um you know along with cycle tracking and a few other things you can actually check it and you can like get uh, relatively decent data about you know about how when how when things are happening and when the optimal times for certain activities are going to take place right um but that also goes along with with the other stuff that um, the other health things that they're doing with uh, you know heart. They talked a lot about hearts and stuff like that, or you know heart tracking. Or uh, I think and a lot of people there's lots of stories on the internet. And one of the Slack channels I was on today, people were talking about how you know the the Apple Watch, you know, keeping an eye on your physical being has helped people with you know unusual heart. Um, issues and stuff like that one of my friends actually ended up in in the emergency room because 
his watch told him that his heart was not, you know, operating properly. And so it's all good that they're, they're sort of putting this, this health stuff, um, way ahead of everything else. Right? The other thing too is, is along with fall detection is this, is this new crash detection too, which, um, uh, as they said in the, in the talk, a lot of, I think they said half, I think over half or half of the car accidents that happen, um, don't necessarily happen in the city. They may happen rural in a rural environment. There may be a single car involved. And uh, I think they did have, I think they had a commercial a while back showing that, you know, the phone can actually call 911 or the watch can call 911 for you, right? But, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is combining the barometer and uh, GPSs, microphones, and, and uh, I guess a few uh, crash sensors to sort of, uh, to get, um, crash data and apparently they had they have a, a, a one million hours of crash data that they they tested uh to get this this um these sensors working properly with the motion sensors as well that was the other part of missing so that's kind of cool and then you know they talked about the fact it was in rural areas which raised a question in my mind but they they did cover it later on in the talk as well but uh yeah it's kind of cool that they've got the crash um crash detection going on as well now yeah. yeah new stuff from the the deep learning, machine learning analysis of sensor data, right? Like, you know, during the pandemic, they'd added the, uh, it can tell that you're washing your hands and let you know that you need to keep going for the full 20 seconds. Um, this, this crash thing is pretty cool. So it does, you know, can call emergency services, also notify your emergency contacts, very similar to the, the fall detection. I think this is pretty cool. I am already wincing for the you know, TikTok challenge and, and YouTubers that are inevitably <laughs> like do dumb, don't do this at home, terrible stuff, trying to, you know, there were people like trying to fall on the floor on purpose to see if the watch could detect them, you know, falling. I can imagine that the internet will still say, let's see if we can make it detect crashes and, and see what it does. Right. And that sensor can detect up to 256 G's. If there's an API that tells you how many G's it's detecting, that's just opening it up to people doing stupid things, trying to get that number as high as possible. <laughs> wow. Did they actually crushed. say that in the, in the talk, or that's just something you read in the... The 256 Gs, they yeah. didn't say. Uh, the API, wow. no. They didn't say anything about that. Oh, okay, cool. That's speculation. I was wondering about that, because I am not sure how many Gs are, for gravity, that is, are involved in crashes, but... Like nine G's is what you do in like a jet fighter, right? And they have to train the, right. the pilots and they, they yeah. wear the special suit and they're like scrunching their body to try to keep the blood from flowing away. So 256 well, G's is, is yeah, a but, lot. Yeah, but remember that's, that's continuous G's, right? If you're flying a plane, accelerating really hard, you've got several seconds of that high G. When you're in a crash like that, it's, yes, it's going to be that high, but it happens so fast that mm-hmm. it doesn't happen for very long. So it's just measuring a spike. It is pretty amazing that it can measure it, though, that, this, that it's the accelerometer can do that. Because all those, are, they must have got Mythbusters to give them some, some data as well, eh? Actually, I guess it'd be funny, like, if, yeah, the Mythbusters, because you see the Mythbusters using, uh, putting, putting a watch on Buster and smashing him into a truck or something like that. Yeah. By the way, did I tell you I went to a talk uh, given by, um, what's his name? Not Jamie, Adam the other Savage. guy, Adam oh, Savage. Jamie, Adam yeah, Savage. Adam yeah, Savage. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I saw them about. do one of their their live show actually here in Toronto. Oh, okay. They, they, yeah, yeah, pretty good. This was just an interview. He didn't do any actual exper- uh, you know, any busting, but it's so interesting to hear his stories. 
Yeah. Well, they, they took uh, Chris Hatfield, who was our Canadian astronaut, and they put him in like a bear suit and they put him up against a plexiglass um, screen at the front of the stage. And then they they blasted him with paintballs. And then, mm. So you basically had his, the outline of his body <laughs> on the <laughs> on the plexiglass. So, yeah, it was pretty, pretty interesting evening. So, yeah. And they had uh, they, they brought the, uh, you know, the exploding water tank. Um, thing they they put they put a water tank on the on the state on the edge of the stage says don't worry we're not going to blow up the water tank <laughs> but yeah and everybody within like you know 50 feet of the stage had to sign an, an, a disclaimer saying that you know even if they got like paintballed smudge on smudge on them they would uh not sue the two of them but yeah jamie jamie heineman and adam savage are the two names names of the two guys um, so coming back to the event, the uh, eighteen-hour battery life in the in the the watch, um, which I find surprising, but uh, low power mode um, now doubles up the the amount of time that uh, that the the watch can hold a charge. Like so, for instance, this would be thirty-six hours. Is that right? Yeah, thirty-six hours would be at full charge. But it this new low power mode is also going to be available on every watch from Series Four going forward with that running I, uh, Watch OS Nine, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it does so, trade off things, right? So low power mode, just like it does on the phone, mm-hmm. it turns off things that are not strictly necessary. Like you're not going to have the always on display. You're not going to get automatic workout detection. You are you are sacrificing uh, niceties for just stay alive a little bit longer on the juice. So uh, that is kind of cool that that they they can do it um, when you when you sort of need it. Like you're you're you know out camping or something is the one where I sort of wonder about like, is this watch going to last the full weekend that I'm out there kind of. Well, I don't think it would ever last a weekend for me, but, but yeah, when I was traveling, for instance, my, you know, some, some days I was, I was out for a long time without a charge and, and my watch would run out of juice and it was really annoying. Um, but, uh, yeah, low power mode would have come in really handy back then. Cool. And so colors, midnight, starlight, nice that they named one after the boys and uh, red, I think were the, the three colors it's available in, right? Plus new Nike bands, Nike sport loop, or of course Hermes bands as well and uh fast charging and then so 399 for the GPS version and 499 for the cellular version and of course you can order them today or by now but it's already too late to order them and so September 16th is when uh the series 8 will come will hit the streets and people will have them in their hands cell models can also do international roaming on 30 providers i know i saw at least Verizon i think uh one of the kiddos I forget. Was it Xavier? I think it was Xavier who said that, that he did not see any Canadian providers on there, but I'm not sure what that full list kind of looked like in terms of coverage. Like, I'm not familiar with international brands. Yeah, I do know that, that when, when the cellular watch first came out, um, it was pretty much Bell was the only one that carried it, and, and it wasn't inexpensive to have cellular. So, and I, I don't know if you remember when the when the watch first came out, you could basically do two calls and then the watch died <laughs> in terms of battery, right? But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't see much. Uh, I don't see much use in in having a. I mean, unless you're out jogging or something like that, you know. Um, and even still, I would still take my phone with me. So I don't. I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not a. Not, I'm not a huge watch cellular believer, right? lifestyle which hold that thought we've got uh another yeah. watch and then a third oh oh what's behind door number three watch to talk about and well wait, 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 lifestyle before you get to the third watch we'll talk about the second watch which is the second generation of the se which is the 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 watch for the kiddos as you mentioned before right um interesting somebody commented on the fact that it has a nylon back i think first the first watches had didn't have like 
fancy backs, like ceramic backs or whatever. They had uh, like sort of plastic backs as well, right? Um, but it also has the SOS fall detection, you know, the emergency SOS. Um, same chip as the Series 8, I found, or same features as the Series 8. I think it's the same chip, right? Um, but you don't need a phone to work with this this watch. Your parents can set it up, you know, your parents put it together. And then uh, and then you can use the family setup with it as well. And that model is 249 uh, so basically, what, 150 less than, than the main one, and 299 for a cellular version as well. So that's kind of cool. Now you can talk about the new watch that I'm trying not to buy, Jaime. Yeah, the, the pricing is definitely one we need to talk about for this new watch. Uh, not the Pro, not the Max, as many people had sort of guessed, is the Ultra. The Apple Watch Ultra, I believe, is the full name. Ruggedized, mm-hmm. aerospace grade titanium, flat sapphire crystal to protect that 49 millimeter case, which is big. And in a now how much would you pay moment, they have a new button on there, an action button that is customizable. They've got, you know, a larger digital crown with bigger grooves and what appears to be kind of a like a guard system. So you don't accidentally, you know, while you're climbing the rocks, smush the, the grooves and blast your ears with your AirPods. Yeah, yeah. It's meant to be used with gloves and things like that too, right? Yeah, I mean so they pretended it was that, but honestly it's the oh crap, I'm you know, I'm doing something, I accidentally bonked the crown and now my AirPods are blasting full volume in my ears. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Well I wear my watch backwards. I wear my I mean I did that because I don't know if you remember, but when they first came out it used to take I used to take screenshots all the time by when every time I flex my wrist, right? So I started wearing my watch backwards to stop doing that, right? Right. Uh, rounding things out for the the hardware they've got you know a second speaker so easier to hear when it's out there in windy conditions three microphones cellular in every ultra battery 36 hours on a single charge and then if you have extended battery life which apparently is coming later this fall you get 60 hours it's it's definitely meant for like a lifestyle that i (laughs) I think i do not have (laughs) giving some spoilers here but like it it answers a lot of questions around you know what we first thought the watch might be back when it came out. And now here we are in this edition. It's like, Oh yeah, that's like a lot of stuff. Right. Uh, well, the GPS is, is amazing. I think it's going after like the Garmin sort of market. Right. Um, cause Garmin sort of went from being GPS to now they have sort of watch like features with messaging and stuff like that. And a few of my colleagues at work wear Garmin's and, but this is, this is like, I, I'm not sure what these mean, but L1 GPS and L5, there's apparently, I guess those are much more accurate than our 300 meter iPhone. Maybe you're on the street, maybe you're on the sidewalk, maybe you're across the street kind of uh, accuracy we get now. So uh, that's quite a, quite a bit uh, of an improvement there, right? So I like that. like the, also like the backtracking if you get lost and you can, and, and you're out of range, you can use backtrack to get back to retrace your steps to back where you were, which is kind of cool. And then the, um, the waterproofness that is certified to EN13319, uh, which is some like heavy duty thing. Like you can basically scuba dive or, or light hobby scuba dive, uh, up to 40 meters or 130 feet, which is pretty deep, right? Um, that's kind of cool. And uh, I mean, it, it, what I like about it, personally is the fact that i don't like i'm always um worried that i'm going to crack the the my watch as i glance the side of it you know when i'm walking around and working with tools and things like mm-hmm. that and i like the idea of having a flat um top with with nothing and with a titanium around it to protect it right so yeah 
So seven ninety nine is what I have here for the one version, and then there's one for eight forty nine. What do you know what the differences are on those two prices? I didn't see that. I don't think or, they announced what that pricing difference was. Is it on the on the store? Maybe maybe it's the better battery thing you were talking about. Um, because I missed that part. So so is it seven ninety nine US is is the price for this guy, right? It's ten ninety nine in Canada, which again math. <laughs> but is that what you guys have for pricing that you know of? Yeah, uh, I know so it's seven ninety nine right now. Hold on. Uh, yeah, so seven ninety nine is the base price. I don't see any eight ninety nine. They're all seven ninety nine. I guess I got to go shop. Okay, somebody there's like an option that comes with it. Yeah, some somebody had mentioned on Slack, and I I missed the pricing, but yeah, no, I only see seven seven ninety nine myself, right? Maybe some of the bands are more expensive, or something. or maybe they were adding Apple Care to it. So I think it's one hundred and twenty something dollars for Apple Care. Maybe that's what it was. Hmm. Somebody just added two numbers together. Anyway, seven ninety nine. Forget what I said. Already forgotten, Tim. Yeah. So w- <laughs> is this a watch you guys would would uh, consider? Or? Not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Mark is not a not a watch wearer to begin with, so that's like, not a surprise, right? To me, uh, I have a watch. I have an Apple Watch. It sits on my desk. I don't. Li- I just don't like to wear it that much. What does it do? So, does it tell you the time or nothing or? Uh, it could tell me the time if I looked at it. <laughs> mm, it's I always see. on display. <laughs> if I just kept it on yeah. the charger, it would uh, be a nice alarm clock. Uh, yeah, it's just not pointing in the right direction for me generally to look at it. But I could. could. Oh. Yeah. I am a hmm. constant, uh, not, not all day. Um, I don't do sleep tracking. Um, that is an area that I've never gotten into with my watch. Um, but I am a everyday, maybe, maybe not everyday, uh, not all day, every day is what I'm looking for as the word. Everyday watch wearer. This is pretty close, and I think if I was looking to upgrade, I might just go ahead and go with the Ultra, get a little bit more uh, you know, screen visibility space, pretend that I might somehow need the 80 decibel alarm to let folks find me, <laughs> um, and all the other cool <laughs> things. The the action button, surprisingly enough, is kind of uh, a driver for, man, yeah, I put like, another button here to do some stuff and be able to customize that. I don't think I'm going to upgrade to this. I'm pretty happy with my current watch. What, what do you have now? I have, oh man, is there an easy way to tell what it is? I have, I think the most recent watch prior to this. I think it's You can this, take it off and look on the back. It tells you what the does watch it say, is Hold on, on it's back. charging. Let me go grab it. I have taken it off for the night. I thought I had seven. Let me take a look. You can also look in your, in your, um, on the watch app, it'll tell you, I think. On the, on your phone, I mean. Guessing I'm going to have to look at the watch app. I have a series. It, I cannot tell from looking at the back of this. I have a series four myself, so I'm I'm I mean again, you know, I'm not I'm not a get a new watch every year kind of person, but you know and, and I don't I'm not really I don't really have many complaints about the watch that I have now, right? But uh it's just not shiny and titanium. You know what? I have a series six. Maybe Ooh. Maybe I'm closer to needing an upgrade than I thought. Uh but I'm still pretty happy with this one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, for for what it does, I mean, like, you know, you use it for Apple Pay to pay for things and, and notifications and workouts and stuff like that. Um, that's pretty much what I use mine for, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, occasionally I'll... I'm not a cellular watch person because I don't have a lifestyle in which I would be out and about without having my phone with me. Um, I certainly have friends and family that are, you know, runners, joggers, divers, you know, all the stuff that they showed at the wonderful commercials. This would definitely fit better for them from a cellular standpoint. For me, the 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 cellular would be like a a, a nice to have 
kind of thing that I would be very grumpy to pay even, you know, five more dollars for the Verizon or T-Mobile or AT&T. Um, and it would be more for some of the other things around the, you know, orienteering, mark waypoints, the, you know, like I could jump to a pool and not feel like I'm going to ever get to the WR100 level. There's no pool I can think of that I would go to that would hit that. So it's, uh, it's probably something that, you know, maybe in a, in a year or two, I might be thinking about, yeah, I'll, I'll upgrade to that year's Apple Watch Ultra. What do you think about the bands? I mean, and, and obviously they got a band for, um, for scuba diving with the, with the fluorolostomer thingy, but they've got two different bands, uh, that calling the Alpine Loop. I'm not sure what the gist of that is. I guess it's for outdoor weather. Um, and then they've got the, the regular sort of loop, right? Trail loop, they call it. Yeah, yeah. The the ocean band looks like it is meant for ninjas to carry like little throwing spikes, or if you're <laughs> if you're going camping, you need some. Well, it's meant to fit over your your neoprene suit, right? So yeah, but what are the holes for? Like, what what do those do? But I, look, I think that the holes are how you how you attach it because it kind of like if you look at the there's like metal studs that go into the holes. Same with the um. Mm. Yeah, it loop, does look right? like oh, that. Oh, so yeah. that's that's how it's staying on there. The trail loop is sort of the Velcro one, like I have now, right? Like pretty similar to what I have now, where you loop it back and it's got Velcro to stick. It's like a nylon, the middle one, but the I think the top one has like a metal clip that you kind of clip it in when you're out and about. I guess the idea is like if you're if you're climbing a mountain, Jaime, you don't want to accidentally brush the the loop and have it come yeah. attached from your wrist, right? right. So, right. which is easy to do with the regular band. Yeah, is it? Yeah, yeah. I have the one where it's it's got the it's got holes, but it just kind of you just kind of there's a little um, post sticking out, and you just stick that in one of the holes, just snaps in. Yeah, and that that could easily pop up. Yep, it is pretty old. Yeah, cool. Yeah, well, we can, we can move on now that we know kind of sort of that we might end up with two watches in this in this group of three. So two out of three of us uh, recommend uh, possibly thinking about upgrading, right? Well, uh, you know, uh, three out of three if you're into that kind of stuff. I'm just not. Yeah. So here's a question I have for you. Now, I know both of you have trouble with Apple earbuds staying in your in your ears, right? Your ear orifices. Yep. Does the AirPod Pro, this upgrade, this is like, what, the second generation of the AirPod Pro or the third generation with the new H2 chip? With personalized spatial audio, based on I think something about the, the the scan of your head determines you know how the spatial audio will work with these um, active noise cancellations twice as good at cancelling cancelling noise as it was before. You can charge this. I think you can charge the case with key chargers, so you can put it on top of a watch charger or a, or a MagSafe charger or any kind of compatible key charger is is the airpods pro something that you guys would even consider in the no, wildest it, of your dreams they, they don't stick in my ears so no <laughs> wait so which one was it though because they did add the extra small tip now um yeah did you need a smaller tip did you need a larger tip because longtime listeners to the show so i actually do have uh, uh third gen airpods that i had received for christmas last year or the year before but long-time listeners of the show know that I've had issues with uh, the the earpods prior, and I had hesitated to invest at all in the AirPod life because, at the time, that would hurt my ears, uh, like the physical ear hole where the you know the headphone stays in was just like cramping up my ear. 
So apparently I now have large cavernous ear holes. <laughs> this is no longer an issue. And these <laughs> these stay in here just fine. So I've never tried the, the pro sizing tips in any way. Uh, these do seem interesting from a... Um, I, the one thing I don't have at all on, on this is the, the touch capacitance for adjusting volume. That is um, something I work around by using my Apple Watch. Um, but I would definitely like to have the noise cancellation, especially the second gen uh, noise cancellation, because I don't have that. It's something I miss. But these are these are pretty borderline for me. These these uh, AirPods that I have now are pretty new. Maybe when they start losing their battery life, I might invest in the uh, the AirPods Pro. Yeah, good good memory there, Tim. That like yes, I, I used to have issues with that, and now as I've aged, they, uh, my uh, my ear holes have gone slack apparently. And maybe it's the forestation in your ear canals is now able to grasp <laughs> to, to, the... to cushion <laughs> my my old man ear hair has made a cushiony pillow. <laughs> yeah, or yeah. yeah, could be. Now that you're plus forty, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right. Well, I mean, again, I mean, we could talk about these if you want, but I'm I'm not a I I mean. I found a pair of AirPods Pro that somebody left on a plane and I've been trying to wake them up and, you know, let them do the find my thing to find out where they are and try and get a hold of me. But yeah, but I, I, I don't know. I don't have any, uh, I'm always worried I'm going to lose one and then, you know, or I'm going to have it in my ear and my dog's going to bump me and it's going to fall on the sidewalk or what have you. And, um, that's what, that's what I worry about. So I, I'm still using, like I'm using the Beats, uh, Power Beats Pro, which are Power Beats that have the, the little extra arm that clips over top of your ear, right? So I don't like to have something jammed into my ear personally. So I, I wear an extra big, you know, um, silicon pad thing or whatever you call those things, right? Bud. Moving on to the iPhone 14, which is the, um, we've talked about this. I think we talked about the rumors about this before that uh, the rumor was that they weren't going to upgrade the chip. And sure enough, they didn't. Um, so here we have the iPhone 14, uh, still 6.1 inch and 6.7 inch uh, plus size. Um, now ha- has ceramic glass shield on the top to prevent cracking. Comes in midnight again, starlight named after the boys. Blue. I'm going to call it purple. I'm doing air quotes purple, Jaime, because I know it's not really purple, right? And uh, and red. And again, they say all day battery life. This is the A15 processor that we had last year. Um, they went on about the camera, about being really kind of cool. Um, you know, 13 trillion photos have been taken by people using iPhone devices last year. Still a 12 megapixel camera, uh, 1.5 aperture, which is pretty low, um, and 49 per- 49% improvement in low light situations. Um, it now has a true depth uh, front-facing camera. I can't remember what the what the benefit of true depth was. Do you guys remember is that or an autofocus on the front camera? But do you remember what the true depth uh, marketing term? What that has to do with anything in the real world? I thought it was you know, for okay. like focus and other things. I, I is that what that I is? I forget okay. what the true depth does. Uh, with was that not there before as part of the face ID? Like I, I'm a little confused. On the marketing. Oh, term. may oh may you think? Oh, I think the true depth is a scanner, maybe the 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 infrared scanner for Face ID. I might be mistaking. Oh yeah, no, thing. this is a thing where it's projecting all the little dots. Yeah, that's the first. Okay, that's so that's the, one. The, that's the true depth. Okay, it's so for making that 
It's for making fancy memojis, which is very important. Right. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's true. I keep forgetting you and your memojis, Mark. Yes, I know. Um yeah, so that's kind of that's kind of cool. Um, and then they introduced they introduced this idea of the photonic engine, you know, which uh, got Mr. Sulu and Jaime all excited, um, and which improves all cameras apparently. Um, and it it's just the their sort of layering of all the different exposures to create these amazing dynamic uh, images that you can um, do all kinds of fancy stuff with. Uh, the video. Um, is now again high quality, super high quality. They're saying the highest quality of, of mobile devices, um, and smooth video smoothing without without using a gimbal, which is kind of interesting if you're you're running around making movies and stuff, right? So, uh, wait, was that on the 14 or was that on the 14 Pro? That, that was on the, the 14. I have that on yep. the 14 as well. Okay. The action okay. mode with more okay. overscan and correction to stay stable with smooth video without a gimbal and Dolby Vision HDR. So. If you've ever seen um, little kids take video and run around, it makes you want to barf. <laughs> this should make that less of an yeah, issue. Yeah. They'll, you'll you'll be yeah. able to enjoy whatever it was they were really excited and running after. So, and and they talked about connectivity with the five G service and the eSIMs. Um, I don't know that that's not new. I mean, we've we've had eSIMs for since I mean, iPhone twelve or iPhone eleven. I think even maybe even iPhone ten had eSIMs. Um, I've been using, I use these sims when I travel to get my data plans going when I'm in different countries. Um, but the, uh, the, the, again, crash detection, like they talked about on the watch where, you know, if you get in an accident, um, you know, basically, uh, it'll notify, you know, call 911 for you or call emergency services for you. Um, high, di- high dynamic range GPS is a new feature in, uh, in the 14 as well. And of course, the emergency SOS. I'm going to throw over to Mark to talk about that one. Mark. Uh, <laughs> uh, or I can talk about it. I could. I guess I can talk about it. Yeah. So this is kind of an interesting thing. Uh, it it has a uh, actually. Why don't you talk about it? Because I don't own a phone. Yeah. So what's cool? Again, well, I, I sort of alluded to this earlier when I talked about the fact that you could get into an accident in the middle of nowhere. Well, great. What if you have no cell service, right? That was the first thing that came into my mind because I, I was actually in Ireland on a sand dune trying to send a picture up to some or trying to find the map. You have the map to load on my phone so I could figure out how to get off the 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 um the beach that we were on, right? And, uh, and of course there was no cell signal, right? So so my first thought was, oh great, I've got a car accident, and now how do I contact you know emergency services? So what Apple has done is they've teamed up with satellite services to allow for emergency SOS via satellite as a new service. And basically, um, it will allow the phone without Wi-Fi or Bluetooth to be able to detect whether there's a satellite available. And even they've come up with a, um, uh, an app on your, on your phone that will show you where to point the, because you don't obviously have a satellite antenna on your phone, but it'll show you where to point the phone for the most optimal connection to the satellite and then what they've done is because the idea behind this is using emergency services they've they've compressed the text messaging down to to make it really small so it's a really efficient amount of data that gets transferred and they've also shortened the 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 kind of messages that you will get available to you like it'll give you a, a series of like a choice of five messages which you can i've been in a car accident i fall and i can't get up you know my phone is about to die was one of the examples I thought was just funny, but you can, you can push the, the questions and it'll, you know, send this compressed 
a message up to emergency services and then they can respond to you. And then you can, you like basically the, the questions coming back and forth are uh, rather than you have until like, you know, with your car crashed fingers, try and type out a, an answer. They'll actually give you, you know, um, sort of a, a recipe card of, of answers that you can sort of answer back. Right. Yes, I can talk. No, I can't walk. I'm stuck in the car whatever, whatever they may be. I'm making those up. But the idea is a more efficient way to do that. And the other thing about this is even in emergency services where the, the, the person you're communicating with may not actually be able to send text messages. They're setting up relay services around the world to allow um, in between people to get the message and then verbally speak it to the, the emergency services that aren't using a digital technology to communicate. So they've set up this whole sort of network around um, emergency services for, for you if you uh, get into a situation where you can't, you know, uh, communicate your out of cell range or what have you with, with, uh, and you're, you're in a predicament where you need assistance. One question I have though, I don't remember, is this something that's available to everybody? Is it available for a certain period of time? Free you know, for two years. It launches in November in the United States and Canada is the note. So. so free for two years. So you have two years worth of <laughs> protection and then, then what happens? Well, I was kind of wondering, like, is it, um, you know, kind of like the, X cloud, uh, uh, sorry, Xcode cloud stuff where, you know, this is starting off free yeah. for a little bit. And then after that, it's like paid service. Or is it like a, um, you know, as long as you keep buying an iPhone every two years, are you going to get a new two years worth of free satellite? Service? Oh, I see. That would be Ted Lasso plus emergency services via satellite. That, I get, that, I would, get be, it. Okay. that would be interesting to, to know. And they didn't talk about pricing or what I saw. They'll probably bundle it into the, one of those service packages too. Mm-hmm. Services. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. By the way, I speaking of which, I still pay an extra ten dollars a month for visual voicemail. Do you guys have that, or do you get it with your with your cell service? Visual voicemail being the thing that lets you read lets you read what your voicemail is without actually listening to. No, visual voice like visual voicemail is the service that came out on the iPhone two G, the very first phone, right? Where Instead of having a list of numbers that called you and you had to punch, you know, call the voicemail center and push one to play your message and push two to do this, it shows you the number of the person who called you or the name of the person who called you. That's a visual voicemail. I pay $10 a month for that service. Really? I'm confused yeah. about that. Because cause my cell you service, I'm, I'm <laughs> grandfathered from way before the iPhone even existed, right? So mm. I just, I find it ludicrous that I, that I have to pay for this every every month, right? But anyway, just, you know. Speaking of emergency services being free for two years, right? I have been, how long have I had an iPhone for? What, 12, 14, 15, 14 years, I guess? Yeah. And I'm still paying $10 a month like a schmuck. And I don't even use voicemail anymore. Yeah. <laughs> That's almost as bad as I have. I pay five bucks a month for this old Earthlink email that I have because, because it's, I used it 20 years ago to sign up for some things that I, that it's just not easy to change. So I pay mm-hmm. five bucks a month for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, I too. Well, I, have I pay, the, I have, uh, I run my mail server. So I, I pay, I pay five bucks a month for, or three bucks a month for my mail too. But, and uh, everybody in my family as well. Right. So, mm-hmm. Oh, well death by a thousand cats. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the funny one. I did see people. I did see a handful of people not saying it was prevalent, but a handful of people kind of grumbling that uh, it was launching in the USA and Canada first. Let me let me help the folks in emergency services. No, no, the the 
Yeah, well, the satellite connectivity, right? So it's launching uh, starting in November in the United States and Canada. Well, we only have satellites in the United States and Canada. Is that what you're trying to say? I'm not sure. I mean, I, I would <laughs> infer that, uh, you know, they got to set up the uh, the satellite systems and everything. They're putting a geofence around the, the North American continent? What are well, they remember, they, they actually well, have a I little mean, thing that makes you point your phone at the satellite and it helps you to get that. Oh, right. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Okay. And if, if they're in geosynchronous orbits, they do stay at a constant spot above the Earth. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. and, and even though if you're in, I don't know, if you're in Spain, there's some other geosynchronous satellite up there, but it doesn't mean that Apple has access to that satellite oh i, I see i was i was just thought the satellites just were ripping around the earth like the some of them station. Station. some of them do oh, yeah. Some do that yeah yeah but the geosynchronous ones don't okay i was being facetious about the canada u.s thing well in this case i think uh folks need to go to uh you know when you stop driving at home you know pull off to the side safely go to true the true and add the United States and Canada and go drag those over to Europe and realize that both the United States and Canada are basically the size of Europe. So we have vast quantities of nothings. I didn't realize Canada was, was quite this big, by the way. There's some parts of Canada that uh, are yeah, just hinterlands, right? So really the only people who should be kind of mad are like people in like Australia where your your entire you know country is a continent and, and you do have vast swaths of nothingness where you might get lost. So uh, I think it should come to everybody, but I, I would start in places that aren't like, you know, the, the next city is is like walking down to get my uh, my postal mail. Canada is not as big as you think it is because of the Mercator projection. No, oh, that's yeah. what this thing is supposed to show you, right? We can like go oh, and drag it around and it, and it adjusts <laughs> based on that. But and granted, it's a lot of weird like islands up north that I didn't Still realize. Big, Kim. Kim. Yeah, we only we only live along the the, the very edge of it. Like we we're kind of like sitting on the rim of Canada. Most of north of north northern Canada is like hinterland, like he said, right? Yeah, yeah. So people people can go there. But you know, um, if I were if I were young and lived in Canada right now, I'd be buying property right on the edge of like the Hudson Bay because. Because the way things are going, twenty years from now, it's going to be going to be beachfront, beachfront right? <laughs> resort property. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, it's ridiculous. Even even land that's out down east, which was relatively inexpensive, people are buying on spec now, not even seeing the properties, just spending you know hundreds of thousands of dollars for pieces of land that they would have got for tens, you know, back in the day, right? Yep. Um, so we're still talking about this iPhone 14, right? Uh, 799 and then 899 for the plus. And again, order them on Friday and, uh, they received them by the 16th of September for uh, October 7th for the plus, obviously a little bit longer to get that, uh, which, which leads us to a sort of sidebar here. And that is the release of iOS 16. Um, which should be important to a lot of people out there, as well as Xcode 14. Um, the release candidates went out today, for not for iPadOS. I think we talked about iPadOS being delayed because of... I heard it was because of Stage Manager and a few other things, but iOS 16, Watch OS 9, why, doesn't, why isn't it 16? I don't know. Um, and um, I guess what TV would be as well with that. But um, the fact that they're available as release candidates today i've already downloaded xcode 14 myself and um and of course you've got the new which we're going to talk about in a minute the new pro with the fancy new um uh, notch lozenge dynamic island thing 
Um, but also uh, that iOS 16 is hitting the streets on the 12th of September, so uh, four days ahead of the release of the new phones, which is kind of unusual because usually it's like within a day or so of the new phones hitting the streets, right? So that's yeah. my sidebar on software tools. I, for one, since we talked briefly about that iOS 16 iPad, it was split. I, for one, will be letting a whole bunch of other people, millions of people around the world, guinea pig what happens when your iphone is on ios 16 and your ipad is not and especially around icloud mm. and and singing and if everything looks okay i probably will update by like the 14th or 15th but i guess i'll probably well i don't know if it matters the other way around but my i've been running the beta on my ipad for months and my phone is still running um 15 Right, and I've had no iCloudy kind of problems, no you know syncing problems, stuff like that. Um, there are some features that are available on, and I also run um, on my on my old iPhone 10. I'm running um, iOS 16 as well, and there are some differences in the way mails handle and stuff like that. Like there are extra options when you're dealing with mail, but otherwise, I've not really noticed any huge differences. Of the the land, you know, the the home screen's different on the on the iPhone 16, but or iOS 16, but, um, yeah, I mean, I haven't, it's not been a huge challenge for me to have uh, different, different levels of OS here. I mean, just so you know. Oh yeah. I'm just extra paranoid about that. Like they've had a long beta period for that. So I just, uh, like I'm okay if my device does something weird, I've got, you know, ways to mitigate that. I cannot do anything if iCloud does something bad for more concerned. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of developers who are a little concerned about the fact that the iPad OS is not coming out at the same time. I think a lot of people who are more iPad centric in terms of their development are are a little concerned about the fact that that uh, it's it's uh, dragging behind. But then again, you know, we're the same group of people who said we wanted to have a different OS on the iPad. So can we complain now? Don't think so, because we don't we don't know when Ventura is coming out either, right? Um, there's been no sort of official Ventura date yet either, right? I think that's correct. When, is I, don't, Ventura? I don't think they've mentioned. Is that an RC? I didn't check. I should check that one. Do we know if Ventura is a release candidate? Let me just have a look. Quick look on the old developer site. Oh, I have to lock, sign in like an animal. Um, yeah, so uh, do you want to jump into the iPhone 14 Pro? I mean, while I look this up. Yeah iPhone 14 Pro with uh, no longer a notch. They have eliminated the notch. And uh, replaced it with the dynamic island, I think, is what they're calling the the new uh, hill. No, that's the UI. That's the UI where the where the black area grows. I wasn't clear from their like it's it's clear that they're they're using the dynamic island in a very interesting way. With yeah. what do we call it now? It's not a not a notch. Uh, no no notch looks like that. Is like a, a, a punch lozenge? out a lozenge a pill. <laughs> Yeah, I, I got the impression that the whole thing was a dynamic island, and the dynamic part of it is the fact that it changes size and functionality depending on what you're doing. But but even when it's not doing anything, I I, yeah. I felt it was still the di- the dynamic island. Okay, all right, okay, I'll, I'll I'll grant you that. But I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it's smoke and mirrors because the size of the notch doesn't change. It's just uh... yeah, they just play a little trick and made the background color kind of sneak around the top of the notch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it so it kind of looks like it's not really, you know, part of the chrome of the of the phone like it used to be. Mm-hmm. And and I was looking very closely. So it looks to me like there is, uh, I think I used the term earlier, uh, an unsafe area 
as opposed to a safe area where where the as the dynamic island gets bigger and smaller there's always this area of it that stays dark and that's where the sensors are of course the camera uh so so even as the thing's expanded and, and it starts doing things, it always left that little area untouched, which is which is interesting. I mean, it's you know, it's it is it's a notch. It's just it's just a redesigned notch uh, with some stuff going on around it to make it look and feel a little bit nicer. And it is nicer for sure. It is nicer. Yeah, yeah. It was a human interface guideline VP yep. that that introduced it, Alan, Alan Dye. By the way, coming back to the just to follow up on the release candidates. Um, so iOS 16 release candidate is out today. I uh, watch OS 9 release candidate, as I said, is is out today for sure. TV OS 16 release candidates out as well. iPad OS and Mac OS are still in beta, mm. so they're not they're not release candidates. They're having trouble with that. Uh... What was it called? Stage, uh, stage manager. Fancy new thing, stage manager. Stage manager. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. You know, to be honest with you, I, I, I went and updated my iPad to an M1, loaded up 16, turned on stage manager, used it for like five minutes, and then turned it off. <laughs> really? You know, it, it, oh, yeah. It's, it's just not... I mean, like I do... I work on my iPad all the time, and I work on multiple applications at, at, at a time, and sometimes I want just that app open even though I'm moving data back and forth. And it's just, it's just not, I mean, I think the iPad real estate isn't enough to have that kind of thing happening. And I find the split view stuff more functional than, you know, dragging a bit back and forth between split views than, than, um, no, I don't know if it's called split view. Do you have a 12.9 I mean. inch or 11.7 inch? I have the 11, 11 inch pro. I bet you it's much better on the 12.9. When I was doing a lot of work with the iPad a year or so ago, uh, I found there it, it really is night and day in the way that the multitasking stuff works between the two. There is fundamentally different behaviors, actually. The way that uh, the way that, for for example, on the eleven point seven, when you have a split view, when you have a three column split view, it kind of pushes off the content view off the screen when it first opens until you tap it, and then it slides the primary view off the screen and pulls that full screen. Well, it doesn't do that on the 13 inch. It's, it's there all the time. So the 13 inch feels a lot with 12.9 inch, whatever it is, it feels a lot more like a desktop or a laptop, really, especially when you have it in a magic keyboard with the, with the trackpad, it's, you forget you're using an iPad. So what I didn't like about stage manager was the way that it groups applications arbitrarily. Like I'm sure you can move them back and forth, but then again, I'm not one of those people that uses, you know, that sort of the, the different desktops that you can have where you can put your applications on one set of screens and switch over to other ones for context switching. Um, I don't know what they call that feature, but I, I don't use that. I prefer to have all, like I'm an old school Mac guy. I have all my windows on one screen and yeah, just I give me a really screen. big screen and have and just one, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's I don't what have I a really do big too. screen. I that's have like what I a, a nineteen inch or whatever this thing is. Mm-hmm. I have a, like the LCD screen in front of me. Like that's kind of what I use. But yeah, mm-hmm. and then I have mm-hmm. like I'll use um, I use my other monitors for having other experiences. Like if I want to move a meeting over to one monitor, I'll do that, or maybe have the notes on the second one. But I'm not one of these guys who likes to switch back and forth. And and you know, may, maybe that's the audience that stage managers built for because i'm sure there's a way to move to change the grouping of the applications but you know i just i found it i just ah, didn't like it (laughs) 
And I tried it a few times. I tried it on my Macs as well. I mean, because I do have Ventura running on one of my Macs. And, and I just found it was just, it just wasn't a now, it wasn't a working metaphor that I enjoyed working in. So I turned it off. Right. Mind you, I do like the fact that like you do have, it is under control center. So if I want to right now, I can go and turn it on. It's not like I can't, yeah. couldn't just go and flip quickly, flip it back on, on and off. I mean, maybe there's a sh- keyboard shortcut to do that as well. But um, yeah, I just, didn't really like it but anyway getting back to the iphone 14 pro um yeah so greg jaws react or jaws as they like to call him introduced it um i did you know i was just checking the stats here when we were just chatting i didn't realize that the this phone has a 48 megapixel yeah or is it, yeah quad pixel sensor software 48 megapixel quad pixel sensor is what my notes say because they talked about trying to do more interesting yeah. things of how do you represent light across all of these pixels. Right. Yes, the quad thing, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, it, as long as we're in camera, the Pro Raw stuff at 48 megapixel resolution, uh, they apparently have a 2x uh, low-light improvement over uh, the 13 Pro, and they showed doing a telephoto that's still a full-quality 12 megapixel, which is pretty bananas that you can do that. Yeah, it's the three times magnification, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Three time optical zoom, sixteen billion transistors. Okay, four nanometers, Mark. Yeah, I thought we. I thought we a couple of years ago we said you're really hard to get below five nanometers. It's hard. It's really hard. <laughs> he didn't say it was impossible. He just said it was difficult. He didn't say it was impossible. It just said it's really hard. Oh, okay. All so right. I mean, that's four. So a nanometer is is ten angstroms, uh, and the an angstrom is roughly the diameter of a hydrogen atom, roughly mm. approximately. So right. it's it. This is you know this is roughly forty atoms wide. These gates. Wow, it's, that's pretty small. That's pretty small. It's it's pretty hard. Hmm. Actually, it's not cl- it's not clear that the you know they they a lot of this is marketing. It's not clear that they that the um, the gate is actually that width. It's sort of a an effective width. Uh, which right. is you know an effective like they they play tricks with with electric fields and things like that and, and geometries and, and architectures of the of the transistors so that it acts as if it were a transistor that had a, has a four nanometer gate if you had if traditional scaling worked so you know in, in the old days yeah it really was the number they gave was the size of the transistor gate and you could sort of draw. A straight line. You could fit a straight line as you made the gate smaller and smaller uh, to what the electrical performance was. Uh, now they sort of continue that straight line and say, "Okay, we get this electrical performance. It's equivalent to if we had actually scaled down this thing to four nanometers." But probably they really aren't, not physically at least. It's it's kind of marketing, but it's still really fast. It's still really powerful. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Did that answer yeah. your question, Tim? <laughs> it does. Yeah. So it, it's the new reality distortion field for the for the twenty twenty. Yeah, and next year there will be three nanometer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that said, they have six core CPUs uh, with two performance cores inside this this uh, chip thing. Uh, five core GPUs, a display engine, ISP, which I can't remember what they said ISP was for, and of course, Jaime mentioned before the neural engine, right? The display engine uh, that they mentioned there. For the A16 Bionic chip that we're talking about, Display Engine, I think it was related to yeah, the display photos. Engine, yeah, yeah, right, right. And then yeah, the uh, neural so engine's not new, right? They've had that. 
No, yeah, it's the machine learning thing, right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. yeah uh, twenty-four millimeter uh, focal length, which is kind of cool, which is pretty short, um, which is good. And the quad quad pixel sensor, which you mentioned, four times as much light. Twelve. Me- I wrote down twelve megapixels, which is why when I saw the twenty forty-eight meg- megapixel on the the slide here, um, I kind of went what. Um, and I think did you mention Pro Pro Raw at forty eight megapixel resolution? I mean, yeah, that's yeah, the Pro that image, was, right? Was yeah, interesting to go with. You know, we didn't talk about the always on display somehow that it goes as low as one hertz. Yeah, like a slow blink. So yeah, so my so my question is this: like, you know, in in a world where we're constantly trying to turn off all the lights and make sure we're not wasting carbon footprints and things like that do we really need an always on screen <laughs> that's a like aren't we wasting and mm. en- i know it's in, like infinitesimally small amount of energy because these things are so do, efficient do we really need a 48 megapixel camera i know some <laughs> people will say yes we do but do we really or, or a 49 millimeter watch on our wrist you know all right exactly you could defect you could deflect bullets with that thing um, so yeah, pro video, they said this is, did they say this is the only phone that shoots pro res or one of the only phones that shoots pro res video? I, mean, I think we need to fact check. Oh, that. I, I missed that statement. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It was in, it was near the end there. So anyway, so, uh, $999 for the pro and $1,099 for the pro max. Interesting pricing because I had heard that this phone was going to cost a lot more. And that's the same pricing as we had last year, wasn't it? Well, let's find out. Let's go to the stores and see, did they uh, shrinkflation this somewhere? Because it does go up to a one terabyte model. Um, it looks like mm. they are at a 6.1 and 6.7 inch screen, respectively, for the Pro and Pro Max. So let's find out if they gave you 16 gigabytes on the bottom end, <laughs> knowing that no nobody's going to buy that. Let's find out. 128, it says here. Okay. I'm a 256 guy myself. 128 is the main. Yeah. So I can't remember if that is the same, an upgrade or a downgrade from the previous 13. No, it was 128 and 256 were the two were the numbers that from, from last year for sure. Okay, so they can um, Because I have a 256 phone and I don't need it because, I mean, now I'm on iCloud, I don't use as much data, right? Uh, but here's another interesting thing, too. Here's a pet peeve of mine. You guys can finance these phones with Apple Card, right? I believe like you can do monthly payments? The, I believe that is the case. Yeah, I don't. I don't see that being an option here in Canada. I mean, unless I unless I buy it through a carrier or something like that, right? Like, uh, like if I buy it through Rogers, I can pay them monthly. But, but right from Apple, I'd have to pay up, fork out the the money directly, right? All right, here you go. So, wait, am I looking at right? Buy with Apple Card monthly installments. Uh, pay monthly at zero yeah. percent APR. You'll get three percent daily cash back all up front. Limited cash back, including three percent. Plus, you get three percent off or something like that, or six percent. Uh, it looks like it's only three percent. The six percent you're thinking of was a one-time thing that I used. I took advantage of to get my uh, 16-inch MacBook Pro uh, in the final Intel, as it turns out, laptop. Of course, you did. Yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah. So uh, yes, it looks like you can do uh, Apple Card with three percent. It qualifies for the highest tier of three percent cash back. Hmm. Oh, you get three percent cash back. Yeah. So it. it when you buy at Apple or or particular um, things like I think Uber is one of those, and I think Nike might be another. Uh, certain you know qualifying vendors qualify for the highest three percent cash back on the Apple Card. If you use Apple Pay, it is two uh, percent, 
uh, like we do it in store, uh, you know, Trader Joe's or something. And if you, you know, have to pull out your card like a, like a filthy animal, then you're down to the 1%, that, that 1%. wonderful titanium yeah. card. That's kind of how it, how it works here. So for those of you Canadians who are listening to me complain about the fact that we don't have Apple Card here, we do get the 0% APR financing from a third party called Paybright, I guess, from the Apple Store. So you can buy, looks like you can buy a phone with, 20, with a 24-month term. Um, iPad with six months or Mac with a twelve month term, but you can you can basically buy your phone for an equal number of payments at zero percent financing, which is good. So yeah, we can buy them monthly, which is good. Yeah, because I'll be I guess I'll be buying a phone on uh, Friday morning. Yeah, they did say a uh, you know up to a thousand dollars off if you trade in some other iPhone, presumably the you know highest ranking, yeah. good quality, excellent quality, you no know, scratches, etc iphone 13 pro max i would guess but i didn't look to see what the trade-ins were yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna do my third party trade-in again that that i did uh with my ipad pro uh my ipad 11 inch i got i used uh, orchard to trade it in and got good money compared to what apple and their third party services offering cool yeah so i can get a i'm just looking at an ipad pro sorry iphone 14 pro uh, at 1549 Canadian, I can pay 6454 a month for 24 months and, and this phone will be mine. So yeah, that's good. I'm glad we can, we can do the financing here in Canada. That's great. Cause I'm tired of paying my cell carrier for a phone. <laughs> Looks like my iPhone 12 then, Pro yeah. is, they're offering 430. I don't know where this thousand oh, dollars comes from. Cause the IT, iPhone 13 Pro Max says up to 720. So. I'm curious yeah. where this thousand dollars comes from. So you guys don't have you don't have a service like Orchard. We ha- it's here it's run out of a bunch of U of T students here in Toronto that started it. But uh, basically, it's it's a place where you can go buy used phones, right? And and uh, you know you basically run an app on your phone and it tells you what they're what they'll offer you for the phone. And I usually get because I t- take really good care of my phones. I usually get an extra fifty bucks on top of what they offer, right? Um, so yeah, I think I I got like. Four hundred dollars or something like that for my iPad um, when I traded it in, and this is the one I used for my when I had the iPhone six plus. I used the same service, and I got like three hundred fifty bucks back in the day when I when I went to update that or trade that one, and it and it's still considerably more than this um, company that Apple's dealing with for for um, trade ins is, is offering. Right, I find the trade ins from Apple are pretty low. Yeah, it's even on it's like a convenience versus absolute price kind of thing. Uh, some of these yeah, are, are yeah. okay. I've used Gazelle in the past. I think somebody had a another one that they. Yeah, I think Gazelle is similar to to what we have with Orchard. Is Gazelle still around? Or I don't know. I've gone the Apple route for a few different times just to avoid the hassle. Uh, certainly, you could do um, you know like a Craigslist or Kijiji, eBay kind of thing if you if you really wanted to, to max it out. Uh, I suppose. Yeah. But, but well, that's what I mean. Like Orchard is kind of they send me a box. I put the phone in the box. I send it away to them. I wait like a month and then they send me back. They tell me they sold the phone and they give me the money, right? So if you want to, if you want to sell it right away, they'll give you less money. <laughs> but if you want to max up the money, you just let them put it on their store and leave it there for a while. Which is cool. Yeah. Kind of seems like it's on consignment in that case. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. It's a good deal. Uh, oh, look, this phone's unavailable for the two hour delivery. <laughs> Current avail- unavailable. Currently unavailable. So. It's unavailable for pickup in the store either. 
Yeah, so I'm, so here's, the, this is the part where Greg always asks us if we're going around the table. I am definitely going to get a, uh, I want to get a 48 megapixel phone. <laughs> so I'm going to get the, the 256, probably black. Uh, don't, this deep purple, is that, that's not purple. That's not really purple, right, Hyman? Not in my opinion. Uh, and kudos to Xavier for having the, uh, the meme pick of Wolf of Wall Street, Matthew McConaughey. Those, those are, those are rookie purple numbers. You gotta, you gotta get those numbers up kind of accepting <laughs> what it said. And so I want, like, I want it to feel not like it could be confused with lilac or lavender. Like, that is straight up Prince or the Joker purple, right? Like, purple. Be able to point to that and be like, get that get that punk violet out of here. This is purple, okay? Like the uh, like the Kool Aid, purple <laughs> grape, purple Kool Aid drink kind of thing. Uh, no, no shame to people who who want it. If you like the color, great. I want purple, deep purple, full on purple. So here's a question. Um, so pre ordering starts at five a.m. Pacific time on the 9th of September, which is a day after, day before this this podcast will go out but uh unless i really work hard but really hard work but um so yeah are you going to order a phone on friday Hame? i am on the edge i think i would probably go with the 14 pro um i don't uh, think i need to go to the 6.7 inch max i would get it in no. silver because that is a, a color that i've kept for a long time it would be the 256 gig model which looks like it would be Ten ninety nine, uh, if I'm looking at this correctly, um, and that's probably what I would go with. I will not wake up at five in the morning to uh, to do this. I'm not. Again, I'm borderline. I'm like, I, I, I think I will get one, but maybe maybe I'll be okay waiting for the the second wave. Where uh, what are we talking? October, November, maybe early December for a second wave of deliveries, depending on uh, available mm, when you order it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it is a nice phone. It is an upgrade from my current twelve Pro. Um, the, the -hmm. thing that gives me some pause is the buying into the rumor that maybe they'll go USB-C next model. So let's talk about that for a second. USB-C, right? I mean, I have it on my iPad. I kind of find it annoying. Um, although, you know, basically I, I leave it, I leave my iPad pretty much plugged in most of the time and I have the magic keyboard thing. So it, it charges off that. Um, so if I want to go rogue and just grab the iPad and go, but um, and for my, for my phone, I use the MagSafe charger all the time, right? It's, except when I was traveling, I was using, I was using a lightning port. Is it really that important to have a USB, uh, now that we have magnetic charging, is it really important to have a USB or, um, on your phone? Like what's the benefit? Maybe hooking up a hard drive to it, but. That's fair. That's fair. Um, maybe I'm out of date in what. MagSafe charges can do the the fast charging is something I like for the the lightning cable and when, when you have the right adapter right um, but realistically am I using it enough to warrant not just going into a, a, a USB C slash MagSafe life uh, maybe maybe it's time to transition on that okay. I think you raise a good Mark, point. Is my you point. Get a new phone okay yeah yeah of course I did Mark are you gonna buy a uh, yeah new so phone? so I have a 12 Pro that I'm using right now so I am due. So I, yeah, so I'm going to buy a 14 pro, uh, will I buy it on Friday morning? Probably not also because I, I don't need to be the first to have it, you know, been there, done that. <laughs> um, yeah, I will yeah. get one, but it's not like this one is dying right now. It can wait a couple of months. So, so I'm not gonna, yeah, I'm not gonna, you know, get up early to, to get it. 
Uh, I don't care about USB-C at all. I, I do the same as you. I use MagSafe. I can't remember the last time I plugged my phone into something. Uh, so, yes, I don't care about that at all. Yeah. And the size of the phone is bigger than, than the current one, right? Like, like Well, are, they are, seem are, to imply that when they, when they were talking about the 14 and the 14 Plus, they were talking about 6.1 and 6.7, which they yeah. were saying was bigger. But I, I'm not even sure what the 12 Pro is anymore. Well, we have the ultimate uh, iPhone graphic thing somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. 6.1 inches is from, the from Paint Code, I think. Ownarena.com mm-hmm. claims. I don't know how accurate that is. No, it's Paint Paint Code. I think was the company that had the graphic. One second, yeah. calling it up. Paintcodeapp.com. So it only goes up to 11 Pro Max. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's pretty old. But mass, but yeah. the size. I don't think the size changed between the 11 and the 12 and the 13, did it? I think it's I think Maybe it's it minimal. Yeah, no, no, it is because yeah, I had to buy a new case for this phone. I had to buy a case because I already during during um the last. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Was it? yeah. The eleven was the same size as the ten, which was the funky size that nothing else ever was again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cause it, it shows. I mean, if on the on the site that compares the um the you know the page where you compare all the devices on the same page. Where did that go? Okay, the 12, 12 Pro is five point seven eight. So 6.1 is definitely bigger. Huh. Why did they do that? I don't, I don't really want that extra. <sighs> yeah, because the 13, I guess the 13 Max was, what was it called before? 13 the- Max was 6.33, or 12 Max, rather. Yeah, probably a 13 was 6. Yeah, because it says here 6.1 and 6.7, so I guess... The, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, okay, hold on. Blah, 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 blah. Hold on, hold on. Uh, 5.78, looking at a different article, 5.78 tall, but it is 6.1 diagonal. Yeah, no, no, it's all measured diagonally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So, okay, so this is the same size. This is no bigger. Okay, the twelve Pro. The twelve Pro is six point one diagonal. Is it? Yes. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah. so so yep. it's the same size. So okay. same size. Yeah, because I was wondering if my yeah, I can. I'm looking. I'm just using a ruler here, old school, and yeah, it's six inches. So yeah, okay, yeah. So it's not it's not a different. Like I don't have to get a different case and things like that. And right. Right. Different adapters and reprint my MagSafe folder and all that stuff. <laughs> Okay, cool. Good to know. All right. So that is the name of that tune. So I think three iPhone 14 Pros on order coming from our, our world end of the world, whether we do it on day one or day 37. Yeah. Some point in the future, we'll be buying phones. Cool. All right. So moving on. If we're, are we done with the event? We're safe to move on? I think so. Yeah, I think so. so. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So Paul Hudson and his, you know, uh, Infinite Glory has um, produced the article What's New in Swift 5.7 um, which is interesting. I, it's funny, you know, I, I was just uh, uh, Tammy and I interviewed Paul years ago and, and one of the questions we asked him was do you not sleep at night? Like how do you I mean, admittedly Swift point, uh, this information has been not out available for a while anyway, but he always seems to go away you know, come back with these amazing articles within a day or so of a release and so we were asking him about that, and he was telling us about this exercise that he had when when he was learning uh, when he was a, a magazine writer. And the one of the uh, creative writing exercises he had was he was given the task of writing a review of eight bottles of water, right, in two hundred words, which is like infinitesimally small amount of writing to do, like especially for someone who was at the time writing about Unix and all that kind of stuff, right? And at the and the reality is, is these are 
eight bottles of water, like Evian water and Desani water and a bunch of other, you know, smart waters and like that. But at the end of the day, it's all just water, right? And so he struggled with how to pare this, all this information down into this short little article that, that you could basically, the, the exercise was to simplify and refine the article down to the point where you could get it out quickly and also be very succinct in what you were saying. And so he was looking around trying to figure out how he was struggling to get this, this, you know, amount of brevity into his writing. And he looked over to one of the, uh, the games writers and, and saw that the guy had, you know, was, was able to do this. And he said, well, how did you do this? He says, well, first thing I do is I throw out five of the balls of water. They're not worth talking about, you know, kind of thing. And then take the top three, write up, you know, 25 words on the top, on the second and third place. And on the one that's the number one water I've chosen, I'll write 100 words on it, right? And that basically fills out the article and gets the article done in time. So interesting that he, ta- if you think about it now, he takes all this information that he's, that we're all getting thrown at us through a fire hose, takes out the top, you know, let's say 10 things that are really interesting. And that's how he produces the, these articles so quickly. So it's kind of cool when you think about it that way. That said, um, I did go through some of this article. I don't know if you guys have gone through it, but we've, we talked about the, the new if-let syntax. I think the last time we talked about on the show about, you know, you have to, if you're just going to use the name of the passed-in variable, you don't have to create a new, you don't have to reference it again kind of thing. Um, you guys remember talking about that, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And then the, uh, the, the other thing is the, the closure, um, oh wait, I forget this one, type uh, inference, type inference on multi-statements if they're the same, you don't have to worry about calling those out. Do you guys look at any, any of those other things stick out as um, super interesting to you? Regular, re, okay, here we go. I don't know, you, you can talk about regex or you can talk about regex, either one, either way is fine. <laughs> But the new the new stuff that Apple they talk but about. Why, this but why would you say regex? Because that's wrong. <laughs> GIF, Mark. Um, yeah, GIF is correct. Regex <laughs> is correct. We talked about this on a previous pod. We I'll I'll put a link back to that episode where we talked about regex versus regex. Um, anyway, uh, no matter how you pronounce it, Apple has or Swift the folks at Swift.org have made it easier to deal with now because now we have um, regular expression. Uh, easier ways of dealing with regular expressions using, you know, commonly used terminology, or you can actually use regular expression syntax to to find things in in your uh, your content, your strings, and what have you. A um, couple of really good examples on that. Any other of these uh, things that these top tens that he's picked out here that stick out in your mind? I don't think so. Uh, it, the concurrency one. Are you talking about the unavailable from async attribute? Uh, or the concurrency and top level code. Yeah, that oh. one. Yeah, that just that's just uh, it's allowing you to use a Swift concurrency outside of a like a class or a struct. Right. Right. Which apparently you couldn't do that before. I didn't even know you couldn't do that before. <laughs> but apparently you couldn't do that before. <laughs> now you can. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that was a hassle. Similarly, um, so in the in the Node.js world, you do a lot of async await type stuff and. Curiously, mm-hmm. like the top level, um, you know, uh, main structure didn't have that available to it until you know some version of, of Node.js that came out. So that I can understand where this is coming from. That it's it was a little uh, silly that you couldn't run it from main.swift. Not that you would run a lot of stuff, but if you wanted to just 
run something oh, right, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, you want to use async await? Nope, can't happen. Because reasons, right? And, and it says here that uh, this is one of those things that uh, might seem trivial on the surface, but took a lot of work to make happen, which is understandable. But now you no longer have to do the workaround of the, the at main struct with an asynchronous main method. So now you can just, you just get to what you wanted to do. And it was done. I, I guess it's because main is just, it's a synchronous function, right? And mm-hmm. it's just like, it's just like in, in regular system currency, you can't just call an async thing. You have to put it in the task or something like that to, because the, the synchronous function just needs to keep going. So you need to give it away to keep going. Uh, and I guess for some reason here, again, it's not clear why you could, you couldn't just do that same kind of thing. Uh, but, 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 uh, well, like I said, apparently you couldn't and now you can. So great. Yeah. I think it's one of those, um, pairing back of programming languages. I've seen something similar in, uh, Java and C sharp where Java and C sharp being heavily object oriented in their design, like full on didn't want to let you run something outside of a like you know main method from a class like even the most trivial like you know i'm just starting to learn how to program thing would require you to do that and eventually people said you know i just want to run some code man i just want to like write this quick script to do something <laughs> why do i have to go through all of this uh you know ceremony and so you've seen and each of these languages has a different way of calling it it's like simplified api or basis I, I don't know but it's basically like let me just write some code you know what I was trying to do. I'll add in the extra ceremony when I really need it, not just to get started on it. Kind of as a, a of a nice compromise where things like you know Python just like let you start writing right away. Ruby let you start writing right away. They don't have that same structure. I think that's what this is part of. It. You you start out with particular design principles for how you're doing things, and then as you get experience from the field, people are like, yeah, it'd be kind of nice to not have to do this like boilerplate thing just, just so i can run this full i mean here in this example what is he is he just uh getting some json from a, from a url session and decoding it like that looks simple and easy and i i would have guessed that that would have worked prior to this change and i'm glad that this change exists now for that so i would have been very grumpy of like oh god okay well let me go to my main strike i think it is me oh yeah okay god, just let me get to what i want to do i want to write code mm-hmm. Yeah, the other one that came out too was uh, the clock instant and duration ways of measuring time or referring to time in Swift and durations in Swift. Um, you can now have, you can, time can actually be like you can have a clock that can run when the, the system is in the background or not. Um, as well, you can, instances is a way of measuring an exact moment in time and, uh, or representing an exact, and durations is, is, um, you can set a certain amount of time and you can have tolerance to be plus or, sorry, plus, not plus or minus, but plus the, the time. So it can be like, if you want to record, uh, measure something that happens in a second, it can, you can expect it to happen in a second or a second and a half or no, no less than a second. But yeah, that's kind of a interesting thing. And, you know, since I made Pi Day countdown timers of something that I'm always thinking about. Um, anything else on this that stands out? There's some nice new things they've done with the, with opaque, uh, parameters. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's actually nothing new, but they've made the syntax a lot nicer. So instead of having to, to, you know, explicitly put in a generic and, and so say, so an opaque is, is, you know, you want, you want to just like say, compare two things that are, that are both, uh, conform to the same protocol and they're the same type, right? But you don't, care what type they are 
mm-hmm. well, the old way you had to do it was you had to have a generic that conformed to the protocol and then pass in, in you know, say an array of that, uh, of that uh, protocol, uh, sorry, of that generic in order to compare the items in the, in, or sort the items in the, in the array or something like that. Now you can just pass in an array of some comparable, let's say, I'm using his example here, that's why I'm talking about uh, sorting and, and arrays. Uh, it, it just cleans up the syntax a lot. You don't have to go through all of the, the generic boilerplate to do what's fundamentally a simple thing. You just want to, you really just want to pass an array of stuff by protocol instead of by type. And now cool. you can do that. Yeah, that's kind of nice because yeah. from what I remember on the sum stuff, it was saying like, I, I'm not going to define it here, but I 100% trust you, compiler, to realize that like you can still do all the checks, just don't force the ceremony here. That's pushed elsewhere, if I remember correctly. So this this does seem like it would be, I mean, just comparing it to the generic stuff where he says that uh, this is syntactic sugar for the equivalent generic code, it's kind of a lot nicer to have it be cleaner. There. Really what it's doing is enforcing, the sum is enforcing that all of the type members of that protocol are the same concrete type in this situation. So if you just, if you just have something like, you know, array of protocol, uh, then anything that conforms to that protocol could be in that array. Mm. And so you can't like do, um, you can't do operations on all the members of that array uh, because they're different concrete types. But if you just stick that sum protocol in there, then you don't know what concrete type they are, but you do know that they're all the same concrete type. So you can do operations on all of them, the same operation on all, all of them. Right, because you've, nice. you, you, yeah. you, you've made a guarantee. You've made a guarantee about it. The consistency of yep. that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which is exactly what the generic was doing, but it's in a much cleaner way. So it's pretty nice. All right. Yeah. Lots more reading to do there. So yeah, check that article out for sure. And then we'll move to our picks. I got a few picks piling up here since we've been off the air for a bit. Um, first one, this is a follow up from uh, the um, WWDC lounges that were happening on the Slack channels. Um, this gentleman here has archived the Swift UI Lounge um, available on his GitHub, I believe. Uh, or no, I guess his website. So yeah, if you want to just go check that out, um, I'll have a link in the show notes for that. Um, command option R, we, I don't know if we've ever talked about this one before, but this is one of my favorite commands. If I, if I have recently done a build to a simulator or to a device, and I want to test some more code, but I don't want to necessarily go through the whole process of doing a build again, Normally, Command R will will kick off a build. Command Option R will just open up the app and run it, or open up the simulator and run it without doing a build, which is kind of a really handy. Yeah, this one is awesome. I I use this one all the time. Yeah, yeah, same here. And then Command Shift J. I can't remember why we 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 talked about this one before, but this is another one of my favorite um, uh, Xcode shortcuts. When you're looking for something and you're searching around, maybe using a find or a filter. Uh, you find the code you're in. You put your cursor in the middle of the of the standard editor, and you're you're like, where in the in the, the pro- project navigator does this file exist? Uh, hit Command Shift J, and it will show you in the project navigator where that file is living in. So it's kind of. Uh, By the way, that like was my you're... pick, Tim. That you just stole. Oh, that was your pick. Yep. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. okay. Well, you didn't put your name on it, so yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. I would Did you also want to do it like a pick. Carry on. 
Carry on. All right, carrying on. All right, but we've talked about Command Shift J a thousand times on this show because that's another one. And one of one of uh, Jack Jack Wu way back in the day wrote an article on Xcode uh, tips, and that was one of the one of the finds for sure. So you've paired it with jump to definition. I would say it also pairs pretty nicely with Command Shift O for the quick find. So yep. you're like, I know there's like yeah, a, 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 a FizzBuzz protocol. Let me go edit that. Oh, wait, where is this thing actually located? Because there's probably something else I need to change to. And the Command Shift J works pretty well. If like I, I search to get here, I have no clue where I am in the project. But pretty nice for that, too. Right. Cool. Um, the other one, uh, so the other, again, this may be a repeat pick from before, uh, Swift version. There's a few, I think there might be a few sites around that do this, but James Dempsey of James Dempsey and the Breakpoints, um, he mentioned this in the end of his talk last week at, at 360iDev, runs a uh, domain called swiftversion.net, and this is a super handy tool to check and see which version of Xcode runs which version of Swift, which is super handy if you're working with multiple versions of Swift and you're not sure what is what. So he obviously needs to update this to the RCs because Swift 5.7 went out with the release candidates today. But we've talked about a similar site to this one. I think Greg sent us a link to, to something way back in the day. And then, uh, generally speaking, my um, uh, Swift uh, Steve Lipton is one of the drummers from the James Dempsey and the Breakpoints. Uh, he's out of the Chicago area. I had started working on this uh, particular course that he put up on LinkedIn Learning, which I now have access to. I've had it through the Toronto Library, but I now have it through work as well. Uh, Swift UI Essential Training, which is kind of an interesting uh, take on learning all things Swift UI. It's a fairly recent course. Um, and what I really like about his approach to this particular um, teaching is that not only does he show you how to, you know, edit the code and work with modifiers inside of the standard editor, but also on the canvas, he shows you how to drag things out of the library, put them into the uh, into the canvas, and and you know, there's like little bars that sort of show up as to whether it's below or beside or inside kind of thing. And as you do that, it actually updates the code on the screen, so you can sort of place things on the view in SwiftUI where you want them to be, and then it'll add it to the appropriate place in the code rather than trying to guess where do I put the padding and the spacer and the, when you're doing the standard editor stuff and sort of a hit and miss thing. So that's kind of cool. But also Steve Lipton also has a number of courses on um, uh, playgrounds, which I found rather interesting. I did. He uh, gave us access to a, a beta he's working on, which is going to be available on his Patreon page, and I'll put a link to that. But it is using using the Swift Playground app to create apps for distribution to the App Store. Like not only just how to make a an app in in using just the iPad or Swift Playgrounds on your on your Mac, but going through the whole process, including setting up an application in um, Apple Connect and uploading it from right from the Swift Playground as well, which is kind of cool. So uh, that's um, a neat course that he's um, got coming soon, and uh, I, like I said, I had a sneak peek of it. And I also went back and back to his uh, course from a couple of years ago on all things Swift Playground, which includes you know creating apps, uh, working with Playground books, and as well as working with Markdown in Playgrounds, which is kind of interesting. Um, and he shows you how to do this back and forth between Xcode and the iPad itself. 
And then I'm going to throw it over to Jaime because I'm not going to steal his pick, although I'm very tempted to do so. But no, I'll let, I'll let him do it. Yeah, this one is uh, neil.fun slash design the next iPhone with hyphens in there by Neil Agarwal. And so if you were dissatisfied with uh, today's Apple event, you can decide that, you know what, this this phone really needs a cup holder. It needs an old school antenna so that you don't have to worry about pointing at the uh, no fancy pants satellite. You can put you know, handlebars, cup holders, and if you enjoyed Michelle Yeoh's Everything Everywhere All at Once, you might put some googly eyes on it as well. There are many absurd options here. It's kind of fun, and it has even a little present option that gives you a little cinematic that cut. Yeah, you can add like a pro stand, pro display, rotary dial. I put pro wheels on my, my design when I, when I made one a couple of weeks ago. It doesn't seem to work in Safari. Is it working? For, or maybe on Intel it's not working. It worked fine on the, um, on the M1 Mac. Uh, it worked for I, you, I'm a Chrome user, so I did not even know that there was uh, something weird. Oh, you're on Chrome. I'm, yes, Chrome, Chrome. Yeah, yeah. I'm using it on Safari on an M1. And it works fine. Yeah, I'm looking on, I'm on the Intel right now, because that's where I record the show, but... Yeah, no, I, I did do, uh, I did play around with this uh, last week when I first saw it, so... I don't, I don't know if I saw it as your pick, but I think I saw somebody post it on, online. Yeah, this so made, made, my, this I made put, the like, rounds. three, three pro wheels. Yeah, three pro wheels, I put a rotary dial on it, and, and a pro camera as well, on the back. I got the cup holder in there. Did you? Yeah. Hmm. Nice. You put an Android logo on the back to prevent people from stealing it because it's, it, you know, signals hot garbage. Because uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's 100 degrees out here, so you got to have, you got to stay hydrated, so you need that couple. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Well, speaking of Android, did you see that Apple, um, I think, was it, they, they finally got 50% of the market, at least, or more than 50% of the market in the U.S. last week? Pretty, pretty interesting because they've been pretty pretty close on that the seeing it they, they they overtook right it was like a yeah one yeah. or 50.1 uh split yeah yeah they could have a referendum now yeah mm-hmm. but it's a bad canadian political joke 50 percent plus one was what the vote needed to be to separate quebec from canada ah yeah that's kind of what uh, kind of what um apple has done in in this market cool Right. Well, I guess that's it for another week. So, hey, hi, mate. If people want to get in touch with you, where do they find you? I'm on Twitter as at Dev with the Hair. All right. And Mark, if people can get in touch with you. I think this email is still valid. Uh, Mark R at smapsoft.com. <laughs> Maybe you should give them the Earthlink one while you're at it. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. My name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. And so until next time, we'll say bye-bye. Bye. This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fireside.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code, and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends, leave a comment on the website, or write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you, so use the hashtag AskMTJC and we may mention you on the show. Friends of the show can also join us on the podcast Slack channel. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. 
Please consider supporting the show by pledging any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc. Every dollar pledged helps a lot. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. So I bought all kinds of Guinness uh, paraphernalia when I was in Ireland as well. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. All right. If we're going to do after show, i got to get some water. Hold on a second. I'll be right back. Okay, sure. So I'm wondering if the Guinness store is like a like a Harley Davidson store where they just have all manner of stuff that has the logo on it. But you know, it's funny that you say that because what what we went like on the first part of the trip, we went to the Guinness store and, and, you know, got to sample Guinness and try it and see how they make it and all that kind of stuff. And, and then they have this huge store at the bottom where you're like, I have never seen this many t-shirts before, like rugby shirts and golf shirts and, you know, all kinds of t-shirts in, in English and in Gaelic and, you know, for the men, for the women, for the kiddos, hats, you know, mugs, toques for the keeping your head warm socks, Christmas decorations, keychains, you know, all kinds of paraphernalia having related with the Guinness logo on it. And then you leave Dublin and you go to like another major city and like Cork or you go to, you know, down, down further south and they have these small stores. I think it's called, these are the Q now. I can't remember, Quinty, I think, or something like that. But they also are a licensed Guinness store. And I found more things at the non-Guinness place, like the, um, I've forgotten the name of the place now, but uh, the, the the main brewery place in, in the touristy brewery, brewery place in Dublin, um, I found more paraphernalia, like hat pins and lapel pins and stuff like that um, at other places, other other stores, so. It's anywhere you go in Ireland, there's an officially licensed, you know, reseller of all this stuff, right? But again, mm. it is still way more than you'll see anywhere like in Canada or US, right? Yeah, yeah. And then it's really cool to see all the old, uh, like they had a whole exhibit of all the old advertisements that they've done over the years. And then you drive around the country and you see um, bars decorated on the outside with these old retro designs from like, you know, the 50s and 60s and 70s, right? So yeah, I, th- I think I took a picture of one place where it said Guinness is is good for you, right on the right on the right on the tin, right? That must be true, right? Thanks, <laughs> we lost Mark. He went to go get water. So. Ah, real time follow up. Saint James Gate is the place where um, Guinness is produced in in Ireland, in Dublin. I see. I'm back, and he's back. But the so coolest thing is, is, is the Guinness really better in Ireland than it is here in you know, North America? Yeah, I'm going to get probably a lot of email about this, but um, I'm going to, I drink Guinness a lot, right? I drink it all the time. Um, draft Guinness at, the, at, at a bar is much better than the Guinness you get um, in, in the cans, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. But I got to say, you know, as much as I'm supposed to say that it was amazing in Ireland, mm-hmm. um, the, I wouldn't say it was that much better than we experience here, to be honest with you. Like, I don't know, I think, maybe it's just the way that they produce it and they deliver it around the world. It's it's just as good coming out of a keg with nitrogen 
in California as it is in, in Dublin, right? I know that's probably blasphemous to say, but. Well, you know, I, I'm not surprised. I mean, with, you know, modern refrigeration and, and fast transport, it's very different than, you know, a long time ago when it was on a boat for three weeks in the heat, right? Yeah, yeah. But we have we have a we have a Labatt's brewery here. We have Molson and Labatt's who are the two main brewers in Canada, like the sort of top dogs, right? And um the Labatt's uh, brewery is licensed to produce I'm gonna I'm doing air quotes here, Guinness, right? Mm-hmm. It's not got it's not produced with, with um nitrogen, so it doesn't have that nice foamy sort of sensation to it, right? Mm-hmm. Um and it's just yeah, it's just not it's not pleasant. You know, as it's a yeah. stout, admittedly, and it is produced, I guess, with a recipe that you know. I think the 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 malt is is cooked in the same way that it is in Ireland, but yeah, it, it doesn't. It's not it doesn't even hold a candle to it. So, I mean, from that perspective, yeah, you could say that the Guinness you get at, the, at from the tap from a keg made in in Dublin is much better than than this bottle of swill that they sell as as Guinness. So I'll have to go maybe buy a bottle of it and just try to see it because I mean, well, I, yeah, I had the- it once. The bottled stuff is actually even a different recipe than what's in the can. No, but what I'm saying, like and, now you get now you get the 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 nitrogen widget in the bottles from Guinness, like you know the ones with the black label with the gold harp on it, right? Um, no, this this is a different Guinness. Like it it, hmm. it comes in a bottle, doesn't just regular carbonated, you know, beverage right, kind of thing, right? Right, and it's it's nowhere near what you think of as Guinness, and I I, I could see that being. If that was the Guinness we had here in Canada back in the fifties and sixties, like yeah, definitely the Guinness you were getting in in Ireland was like light years about better, right? So, but I think I think by but compared to like twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty two beer that you get here at a bar versus what you got in in even in St James Gate, I don't know it was that much better, you know. Mm-hmm. Mind you, I don't get it to the pubs much these days anyway, so it's because of the whole COVID nonsense, right? But yeah. We did drink a lot of Guinness in, in Ireland, that's for Good. How about Murphy's? Did you have any Murphy's? I tried Murphy's, and there's another yeah. one they've got called Island Island IPA, I think they call it, which is another, it's another brewer's, uh, make, and it might even be made by, by the same folks at, at Guinness, but I, at one place I went to, they gave me a flight of three different, like a third of a pint of the three different ones, and mm-hmm. to be honest with you, if I had my eyes closed, I probably couldn't tell you which was which. Like they were very like Murphy's is very close to Guinness. Yeah. Even though you know my stepson, my son swears that it's different. I don't think it is. It is different, but it's very similar. Yeah, it's very, very, very. And we have a we have a beer here called Cobblestone by Mill Street Brewery, which is again it's a ni- another nitro beer. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, so it has a, the nitro gives it the same sort of consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, the flavoring is a little different than Guinness, but yeah, it's a very you know, if you couldn't get a Guinness and you could get a cobblestone, you'd be just you'd have a smile on your face, you know, mm. if you were looking for something like that. So, so I think Island yeah, IPA. I think it's called Island IPA. It's it's a new new one from in Ireland, but yeah, it was everywhere. But um, very similar to to this. Right. I also did a, a flight of uh, Jameson as well. Which is really interesting. Jameson whiskey. Yeah, whiskey. Yeah. A flight. That's dangerous. yeah, like three different, three different, <laughs> uh, three different. Um, uh, three, yeah. it was distil- distillations, I guess you call it. Mm-hmm. One was like an IPA, believe it or not. I don't know why it, why it was called IPA. 
but because um, it wasn't hoppy or anything like that. But it, and they tasted very similar. But mm. you know, there was I think there the three were very different, and I, I forget now which one was which the one I liked the most. But yeah, that was a, it was a very interesting way to drink. But the most amazing thing I saw in Ireland, I think, was on the very first day that Carol and I had an outing. We went up to north of Dublin to a place called. Um, I get my Instagram out here so I can remember the name of it. Um, Noth is is K N O T H is one place, and um, uh, what was the other one called? Um, or Nauth, I guess. And um, uh, it's got a it's a pretty famous place. And you go to we saw lots of stone circles too. Oh, here it is. This one here, uh, Newgrange. Newgrange is sort of the the you know the the branded name that you know of you will will have heard of before but these are burial ceremonial burial places that were put together by engineers 5000 years ago like so 3000 years before the pyramids um and they're amazing amazing um uh structures and what was cool about the the one at uh, Newgrange was you go into it you're not allowed to take pictures inside but you go into this this um thing and you go inside the tomb and it's really thin and narrow and you have to bend over because you bang your head as you're going through wouldn't be a problem for Jaime of course but um you you get in there and you're in the middle of this sort of dome that was built you know that many years ago and it's all done by uh you know what cobbling I think cobbling where they layer the wide stones over top of each other in a sort of like um pattern almost like the inside of an igloo Mm -hmm. um Basically, this roof was built, this dome basically made of stone was built 5,000 years ago and is completely waterproof. It has never crumbled or leaked or whatever in 5,000 years. It's an amazing structure to be inside and sort of just take in. And plus all the scrapings and carvings that the, that the artists of the day would have, would have done into the, into the stone, right? Um, yeah, these, those were amazing, amazing structures to be inside, especially, you know, Neolithic you know, architecture, if you will, right? It's really kind of cool stuff. That was probably the most amazing stuff that I, I personally went to. By the way, was it Island's Edge they had in Ireland? I Yeah, that might be Island's Edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's actually made by Heineken in Ireland. Is it? Oh, <laughs> yeah, really? But, it, but it's a stout. It's a stout. It's not an IPA, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we, yeah, 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 no, it's not an IPA, yeah, no, it's yeah. Uh, Island's Edge, yeah, yeah. It was everywhere, and, and like, uh, it tasted like, like, it's a nitro nitro beer, right? Nitrogen beer. Yeah. And it tasted just like Guinness or Murphy's. Mm-hmm. You know, it was very, very Yeah, it looks terrible. like it. But yeah, it's made yeah. by Heineken Ireland. That's funny. Really? Is Heineken Heineken's German, right? Uh Dutch. Dutch, okay, because they were everywhere. Like everywhere you went you saw Heineken as well, right? Heineken or Guinness or Murphy's. Yeah. I think yeah. they're Dutch. Hold on. Yeah, Wikipedia says they're Dutch. Yeah, in Dublin, there wasn't much Murphy's to be had, but if you went outside of Dublin, there was, there was lots of Murphy's around. Mm. I think Cork is, Murphy's is in Cork, maybe? Uh-huh. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, I think uh, that was kind of like, you don't drink Guinness in Cork. One of those two places. <laughs> mm. But if you head over to my Instagram, you can see all the pictures of stuff that I that I saw when I was there. Lots of old churches. And, and some of our family kissed the Blarney Stone, but I was thinking with COVID protocols and stuff, I don't want to be like slathering my not that I would do that anyway, because I think it's kind of a silly hanging over the edge of a rock face upside down. <laughs> well, and, and you know, supposedly all the locals think it's such a joke that everyone comes. And yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
And you know what they do on the Blarney Stone when no one's looking? Go pee on it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, They had, they had security cameras there. So I'm sure they they Uh, are kind of curtailing that activity. But the, but Blarney basically means nothing. It's like, it's a nothing castle. It's just the castle that happens to be there. has no significance other than the fact that it's got this stone, right? Like if you read the the tourist guides on it, it's like you know it's not like an a, a, even a significant castle, right? It was given the name Blarney by I think Queen Victoria. But also the you know the Neolithic stone circles were kind of cool, like these amazing you know almost like mini mini Stonehenge kind of Stonehenge is compared to them, right? But these old you know Neolithic and tri- um, dolmens and things like that, kind of interesting when you consider the fact that they did all that before the Age of Iron, right? Mm-hmm. With just manpower and chutzpah. So apparently, this island's edge has only been out for like a year. It's, it's very yeah. new. Yeah, yeah. But the brand—you wouldn't know that from the branding—and and it's mm. all over the place, right? Mm. So mm-hmm. it was a decent, decent beer. I had, I did try one. Lots of fun. That is a quick. Oh, you got to figure if they're going to go up against Guinness in Ireland, they better be pretty good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, it was a quick. And, driving on the correct side of the road was a challenge too. Sorry, it was. <laughs> I was wondering, like, how long does it take to get from Tirana to Dublin? And it's a six and a half hour flight, like a trip around the block. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. It's it's a little further than California, but yeah. 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 Sorry. And you were saying that uh, you had trouble driving on the other side of the road? Well, yeah. I mean, that was a challenge. I, I, I ended up getting an automatic car and I'm glad I did because, um, you know, even though one of my family members swears that, you know, driving a standard was probably in their mind easier. Um, yeah, I ended up, I ended up putting my little hack you saw my, I think on Twitter, I put a piece of tape on the, the dashboard to sort of keep my, get my bearings, <laughs> you know, cause I kept, you know, my, my wife was sitting in the passenger seat and she just kept saying, move over. <laughs> like she, I, she kept thinking I was going to clip the cars as it's going along. Cause like, cause my natural inclination is to move to the left. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you go. And, and it was really weird. Like every time you saw a car coming towards you around a corner, right? You're like, oh my God, he's on the right side. Oh, yeah, never mind. <laughs> you know, like you had this momentary, you know, you know, heart in your throat kind of uh, feeling, right? So, and then, you know, when you're making a left hand turn, no, right hand turn, a right hand turn, you have to remember to drive into the furthest lane. <laughs> so you're sort of talking to yourself as you're driving the whole time, like, you know, and then I had, I had to have always, you know, I drove a few times by myself, but most of the time I had somebody sitting in the passenger seat sort of, you know, being my conscience, right? My Jiminy Cricket, right? So, yeah, that was a challenge. Yeah. I wasn't looking forward to it, and I, you know, I'm, I'm glad it's over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It probably is also weird as a pedestrian having to look the opposite direction when you're crossing the street, too. Oh, right? yeah. That was weird, too. Yeah. 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 The other thing, too, is like driving to these, these remote stone circles and stuff like that. As you're driving, the roads are, I mean, the roads to begin with are not very wide to begin with. And as you're driving towards these the far up, you know, rural places, the roads get narrower and narrower and narrower. And it's huge thistles on both sides of the, the road. So you, you it's like these woods. You cannot go off the, off the road. And the weirdest thing was when you come up to somebody else is coming the other way and you kind of look at each other and one of you has to like shove the car into the bush on the side as far as you can and again you know it's it's all um heavy timber so you can't really go too far and then they would just squeak by you on the other side so yeah it was kind of a interesting etiquette and the whole driving on roundabouts thing was was took me a while to get used to that like whoever's in the roundabout 
has the right of way, right? So it's kind of, as you're coming into a roundabout, you kind of stop and you look and you have to sort of guess which guy, because you never know which of the four corners that guy's going to peel out on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I got beeped at a few times when I, when I kind of went into the roundabout too early. You know? And plus it was a backward roundabout too, right? You, know, you guys probably have roundabouts in the States you've driven on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything's backwards. And then it got to the point where people would say to me, turn right, and I would turn left because my brain was just upside down. (laughs) Uh, uh. I was like in the stranger, you know, the stranger things kind of upside down world, right? Yeah, pour pour a Guinness out for the people behind you. Like, come on, get on with it. (laughs) Wondering what's going on, not knowing knowing that there's there's somebody who... uh, Oh, they're the incredibly friendly, incredibly friendly country. I mean, like from that point of view, like, like everybody says hello to you on the street and stuff like that. But, but the funny thing is like the, it took us a while to figure out. So if you see a car with an L on it, right, that's a, someone who has a learner's permit. They have this big sticker on the back of the car and then they have N for people who are novices who, who've, you know, they've gotten past, they've done the first test, they've passed and now they've got like a year or two of driving with the with a big N on the back of the car, they totally need a T for tourists. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I felt, I felt like just putting an L on the, on the back of the car just to give people a hit. Right. Stay back. <laughs> did people Never know what I'm going to do next? Right. Did people let you know that when they say top of the morning to you, that the proper response is and the rest of the day to you? No, nobody ever said that to me. I mean, Oh, <laughs> ruined vacation no it's funny it no it's funny because you know when the um when the uh when I, you know ambient noise is a kind of interesting thing and when you listen to people talk um like in dublin you wouldn't know that you're in a different country other than you know occasionally you hear a bit of a lilt or a pronunciation kind of thing but the further you move away from dublin the thicker the accents get and it's it's quite different um one of one of carol's cousins came and was talking to us about driving up to um to the north to northern ireland where it's a different attitude like you really have to be careful about if your car breaks down you have to automatically assume a northern ireland accent and so he did that a few times like he showed us you know how he what he would say and and all of a sudden like the, he gets the sort of you know bob geldof kind of um brogue going right um it wasn't it wasn't like that noticeable uh in in the parts of ireland we were in the south and then and uh west but um, wasn't that really noticeable in Dublin that, you know, that you were in a different country, really? Other than the fact they were driving on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> yeah, it's a, <clears throat> interesting. probably a weird one for, for Commonwealthers such as Canadians, where you're, you're in between two worlds, between yeah. them, on, you know, in that part of the world, and, and your neighbor to the south, where we influence a lot. So, uh, I don't, I don't even know. Well, how did you well, Ireland's because, not in the Commonwealth. No, no, though, right? no. But like, there's that close relationship there, right? That like, true, not part of the United Kingdom, not part of Great Britain, but, yeah. um, mm. you know, that, that close relationship that's there, you know, in that region. And then Canada's very close relationship to that region, whereas the U S is, yeah, we're a little further away, right? We got our own, got our own yeah. thing going on. And so for the Canadians to be like, okay, you know, driving the opposite of the road, but you do understand kilometers. You do, you do have a whole metric thing. Yeah. So you, you live, although I know, I know, uh, I know like England uses like a lot of, uh, you know, still uses imperial system for like a lot of weird things. What, what is it like over there in, in Ireland being not England? 
Do they uh, do they have kilometers everywhere? Do they do they maintain any? Yeah, they're very they're very close to very close to Canada in that sense. Mm-hmm. You're right there. I mean, like yeah, they don't life. like. I think in in England they they still drive in or think of driving miles and and um, uh, I think it's there's one other thing. I don't know if it's measurement, but um, it's either weight or measurements where they they're like still using Imperial, right? I see. But yeah, no, Ireland is very very close to Canada in that sense that they're they're metric and they're you know, everything else is like normal. The only thing is that they're different passport and different money, right? Yeah. In England. Yeah. And so just, just interesting, funny little berries. Like you, you said, uh, took much earlier without specifying that that is a, that is a beanie, uh, here. Yeah. Translating yeah. to the American. No, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, they wouldn't know what took is in, in Ireland either. Cause it's a, obviously a Canadian term. But a French Canadian term? I can't recall if that's, uh, uh, it may have, it, it may have French Canadian roots. Yeah. But yeah, toque, toque is definitely, it's what we call a, uh, I don't know, what do you call it, a head warmer beanie? I thought a beanie was like a, a baseball hat without a without a brim. <laughs> so that is fair. So you're thinking of like the kind with the propeller on it that like the new, the new yeah, Googlers yeah, wear? Yeah. yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah. Nooglers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's not a beanie? I believe that is also a beanie, but I, I guess wherever it turned into the... Like the 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 wool, wool and knit cap. You're talking about. I right? think wool knit wool cap, cap is probably yeah. what it would be. And then somebody started calling yeah. it a beanie for reasons, I suppose. And since hardly anyone has a howdy doody style, you know, traditional beanie, it seems like the the old word has the old meaning has been lost. No idea. Well, that's cool. That's cool. That you had a, a good a good trip there. Um, I don't know when I'll make my way to that part of the world again, but you know what is weirdly on my list now is Wrexham. Have you been to Ireland before? I've not been to Ireland, no. Oh, okay. uh, but I, I have, uh, you know, I mean, everything is so close by comparison to, again, folks, go go check out uh, the true size of, like, America and Canada are enormous in terms of landmass size. <laughs> So when I looked at Google Maps yeah. for one of these things, I was like, oh, that looks far. I was like, oh, it's not far at all. So um, I've been watching uh, Welcome to Wrexham, the, the FX and Hulu show about um, Wrexham Football Club over in Wales, where they got purchased by... Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, that's the Ryan Reynolds Ryan one? Reynolds and uh, Rob McElhaney from uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. So they bought the team. I was like, where is Wrexham? I'm like, oh, okay. Like a couple hours from uh, Aberystwyth in Wales. Uh, it is mm-hmm. probably most plausible as an hour drive from Manchester, which is a pretty easy airport to get to. So well, I might be on the list mm-hmm. if I go back to that that general region. Again, I'm being very hand-wavy and painting it all as one, one region because it's like, you know, again, I looked at Google Maps. It's like, oh, man, it's going to be like a five-hour. Oh, it's a one-hour drive. It's pretty close. Pretty easy. Getting across, zipping across the country, pretty, pretty, pretty easy when you've got something that size. Mm. I think. I think Edinburgh or Glasgow to London is like Boston to New York or something, or 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 like Boston to Philly or something. Like the the scale that we're talking about is is wild. Hmm. But yeah, uh, it, I do recommend that show. It's kind of like watching a real life Ted Lasso. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's the guy from that um, Apple TV show, right? Uh, Macklin. Yeah, Mythic Quest. He's he's on that show. As well. Mythic yeah. Quest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Please, Ian. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Ian, Ian, the uh, is he like art director? What was his title? Was yeah, he's a, yeah, the head, yeah, game creator. Yeah. Wait, wasn't he also in? Uh, it's always, always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's what Army started with. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a oh, okay. it's a good gig because you know uh, the show is not only kind of an interesting insight from a like documentary kind of standpoint, but it's also kind of funny to see like oh there's you know Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny to Philadelphia wearing the Wrexham shirt because of course why not cross promote yeah. oh there's Aviation Chin and whatever it is that mobile service that that Ryan Reynolds was like yeah of course. If I owned a team, I would also make sure that they use all my other stuff too, and get some cross promotion for that same uh, that same money. But he was wearing it on the on the show. Uh, besides that, the you know, there's a lot of different um, workout outfits that a professional team might wear when it's not actually playing, um, like yeah. trainers kind of stuff. And and mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. hoodie that they have is uh, is aviation gin. Don't know if I saw the the mobile service might not make as much sense because it presumably is not uh outside of uh, of north america but still kind of makes sense mm-hmm. and it is uh, it is stupid expensive to run a team like in one of the episodes they have a, a problem with the pitch and that was something they'd already spent a lot of money on and they had to spend like double the money to, to fix it when they realized there was a problem but uh, it kind of feels like um man who was it i think it might have been richard branson from the from uh, Virgin that said, like, how do you become a millionaire? You you start as a billionaire, then you buy an airline. I think is what he said. And so you you, you become, become a millionaire yeah. by starting as a billionaire and then buying an airline. Kind of your your your, mm-hmm. your path to to losing money. Right. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right, folks. I think uh, we'll call it. Alrighty. Alrighty. What do you say. Sounds good.